search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Broken My Concept. Episode, can't even talk, dude. Episode thirty-four. Um, got a spicy one today. You said what? you said that many times, by no, the way. No, I've already said the last two. I think. Really? Yeah. Because that's when I genuinely believed it was. I've heard spicy. it. I've heard it probably eight times. You said that this is going to be a spicy one. Okay. Why can't our podcast always be permanently spicy? We no, don't, it, we don't no, have to say it anything. is. It wasn't. Now it is. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. That's why I think I've only said it like three okay. times. All right. Someone's going to make a spicy uh, uh, what's montage of me saying spicy <laughs> over all the episodes. Um, so today um, we're going to be talking about esports. This is something we've probably refrained from talking about. Our podcast is we don't really talk much about no. it. Well, that's again specifically the LEC and the LCS. LCS and LEC. Did we talk about Korea March. We talked about Worlds a bit. We did talk about Worlds a bit, I think, in the, when, when it was Worlds like time. But, I mean, we've refrained from talking about the business of esports for as long as possible. And I think it's time. What do we know about business dun, 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 dun. Just a bunch of whippersnippers, young whippersnappers. Yeah. I mean, so we'll get into that in a second. But I have a very funny, I want to say funny, interesting point of view Interesting point that we've got to dissect. We're, right? always, we're always open to different point of views on the Broken by Concept yeah, podcast. I actually, I actually really love that we have so many different Absolutely. perspectives. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, we have the Broken by Concept discussion channel on my Discord. Um, and I think it was like two episodes ago, we spoke about the, to- was it two or three episodes ago, we spoke about the toxic carry mindset. Yeah, I remember it was early January, one of those episodes, so two, three episodes ago. And essentially what we define the, the carry toxic mindset was that we hear all the time with our clients, you know, especially in gold and platinum and things like that, even lower than that, where, you know, they feel the need to just like, I got to carry. Mm. To win game, I, you know, if I'm not carrying, I'm losing. Mm. If I'm not carrying, I'm not getting out of this elo. I have to carry. Well, they, again, their perception of carrying—that was the problem with it—is like you're twenty and zero. You're twenty and zero. You're twelve and zero. You're getting like solo kills every game. You're just like walking around the map, killing everyone. You have to genuinely be the carry because everyone else on your team is useless. Mm. And the opinion that I put out there um, was that you can carry at specific moments of the game when you're like you're like playing weak side. You're like a top laner and your jungler's on the other side of the map. And your job, the way you carry, is through not dying. That's right. Sitting on your tail, not taking heavy trades. Well, the premise of our point was that you don't need to carry to climb, right? We don't believe that's the case. If you are boosting... Or you're smurfing, of course. Then, yeah, that's probably the fastest way to climb. Is you don't play this. Well, yeah, you. It's, but that's not really. You don't, you don't actually improve from like carrying. That's not really. Yeah. Like if you're carrying, you're smurf. You're you, probably not in you know? the elo that you're yeah, in. Yeah. In a in a weird way. Yeah. It's very rare you carry quote unquote carry in your given elo. You're gonna win again. You get. You should have. If you're climbing or you're a little bit above your level of play, you should only be having a fifty-two percent win rate or something like that. Very, just very slightly above 50 Incrementally climbing the ranks. Right. Slowly but surely. So anyway, um, we have Zinnia here my, from my Discord. Good old Zinnia. And this is what he said. He said, I strongly disagree with coaches' opinions on the carry mindset. Because our, 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 just to clarify one more time, we believe that having this carry mindset or trying to carry every game was toxic because... It's a negative. Well, it's a negative because you... 
you're not actually just identifying your role in the game and trying to figure out what the win conditions are. You're trying to go above and beyond to, to largely compensate for your teammates in a weird way. Do things that don't even necess- aren't even necessarily the most optimal decisions. And you put all this unnecessary pressure on you. Yeah, that, that, that's where it's really negative, toxic. And actually, in a way, leads you to blame your teammates a little bit more. Definitely. Because it's like, I have to carry this game because my teammates are automatically so bad. Right. So, he, th- he says this. I think he's extremely biased as a high-elo player and doesn't realize that about until high gold in two out of three games, you can consistently have zero threat from any lanes. There are games where you quite literally have to play a flawless lane phase and kill three or four people in a team fight to have a chance at winning that game. And I've seen these games even in plat, albeit less often. Now, let, before I continue on, let's just break down so this. this well, there's more to so this. There's more. There's oh, more okay. This. All right. So, so far. So his first point is that you're high elo. So my opinion is different. It's just different. The game's just different. That's one part of it. And the next part of it is that... It is it, uh, uh, until about high gold, sixty-six percent of games you can consistently have zero threat from any lane, and you have to literally play flawless, kill three or people in every team fight to even have a chance of winning these games. Okay, the first thing I instantly think is that that individual player is consistently having zero threat, so he's, he's having it seventy percent of the time but the opposition is having a 30% of Apparently. the time. So already that's flawed, already right? Flawed. Because you're, you're, that's an instant victim mentality because you're thinking that you're, you're, special. you're special. You're the one with no threat in your laners cons- like more than 50% of more the than time. More than 50% of the time. Unless if, you if have you, to be the one contributing to it. If you're to queue up the same amount of time as someone else, you're the one that's going to have the inconsistency. They're going to have huge threat in their lane. Yeah. So it's that, ridiculous. It already doesn't make sense. Yeah, okay. It's flawed already. Yeah. But... Um, Yes. Okay. What Zanin needs to understand is that, yes, there are going to be games. These games are just not... The ones you're talking about right now, they happen in every ELO, and you just don't win them. Mm. Okay. Cool. I understand that there are going to be these games. You know, I would no way say two out of three games, 66% of the time, though. It just makes no sense. Like, just numbers-wise. That's saying you have three losing lanes. Is that what it's saying? Yeah, he says says, um, you can consistently have zero threat from any lane. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you had to play flawless and kill three. Yes, we talk about this in the 30-30-40 rule, right? Where, you know, these games, it's probably 30% of games where you have to play flawless. Again. You're not. You're likely not going to win many of these games. You might do it every now and then, very occasionally, but the system actually doesn't want you to win these games because you just otherwise you'd climb too easily. You know, um, so these exist. And I, from what, right now, before we go on, I'm gather I, what I'm gathering from this is that he's had a few painful experiences recently, maybe a few unlucky yeah, games yeah. in a row, and he's tunneling in on them and putting an emphasis emphasis on those rather than the wins. Okay, so let's go on. He says, there are two ways of dealing with these games. You can either blame your teammates or become a better player and learn to play as a carry and simultaneously improve your micro and macro. By teaching low elo players not to learn to carry, you are, you are losing them a shot at games they would otherwise would have some, won simply for the sake of becoming a better player down the road if they chose to become a high elo player. I agree with the fact that the mindset behind it is flawed, but teaching players how to carry with a positive mindset has much better results in the shorter term than teaching them fundamentally good habits. It really depends on how far they want to go in their climbing journey. So, 
here, by, by the way he's talking, it seems like he views pl- playing as a carry is different to t- playing the fundamentals. <laughs> Which is just not the case whatsoever. Uh, I think you, you think you put it really well. We spoke about this when... I think you brought that up a week or so ago when you talked about it. And you said, okay, so if that person's not carrying, what's the alternative? What's he doing? He's not carrying. Yeah, what's it what look like? What does that like? look like? If we get specific here, <laughs> like what, yeah. what's going on? So he's like intentionally not taking high, low percentage plays. I mean, I, I genuinely don't even know what carrying even means. Like, like if, if we talk about, okay, think about you have a situation. We're going to make it a bit technical here, right? Okay. Say you're a jungler and you're yeah. heading into the river. I am a jungler. Yeah, you're heading into the river and you have like a choice. Mm. You have like, there's probably like maybe six choices. You could like go right and like loop around mid. You can go left to go to bot lane. You can continue straight, invade. You could just sit there on the spot, sweep, place a week, or just recall. All right, there's like six or seven options, whatever it is. Apparently one of them is the carry option. <laughs> one of them and the rest of them are not carry options right is that right I mean this is what this if this argument were to be true that's the way he's viewing the game yes okay I mean yeah. that's what I'm trying to gather here what, okay. what, what, let's be specific what, yeah, well, when how I do you determine what is a carry, carry move point. and what yeah. is it not because a, a decision is just ultimately just it's just one decision made and you make hundreds or thousands of these decisions throughout a game right um, and I'm, I'm assuming that this, he's interpreting the carry mindset is picking the carry choice every time, but that's just not true. I mean, being the carry, I think. Okay, let's let's clarify what we what we believe carrying the way he might be interpreting carrying. Now, let's try and dissect this. The way I'm thinking of it is that um, he feels like he needs to take all the resources as, as like from other people, even at the sacrifice of other okay, people. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, like, so a carry let other people die. A carry option would be to take CS, yeah, and t- take CS. Yeah, take more resources yeah. and like, and like let your teammates die and yeah. split push all the time and like try and like one v nine team fights in a way like that one v nine style. You know what that people always say like I'm gonna come in with the flank and kill people or whatever it is. I don't know. So you're just really fed and everyone else on your team is weak. And you win those games by just being really fed, I'm assuming. Okay. You um, know, that's actually so interesting. But it's, you know, I think that's actually the way to lose, by the way. Yeah. I, you know how you just said there? Um, like, I just thought, I, now it just made sense in my mind. The carry, there is a carry option to still CS, take resources as much as possible for yourself. But the interesting thing is, I, that took me a while to compute. Mm. For some reason. Interesting. Because that's not how I view about what good League of Legends is for my role specifically. No, no I I don't... Yes, like, for your like role. Like, okay, like stealing yes, a lane jungle. in CS. But, but, but even as a mid laner... Only happens sometimes. I think it's very specific <clears throat> to the game. The champion, the situation. Yeah. There, there are some situations, yeah. very, very niche situations, where like I have to just play... Vi- well, the way I'm playing Victor, I'm playing like incredibly selfish... I won't attend a single fight for ages because I just know I'm behind. Mm. And if I attend it, um, I know that their champions won't be able to deal with the enemy champions just based off comp. For example, I have like a, you know, have a mage bot lane, right? Or something like that. And then like, I know that even if I would help them and get them ahead, it won't actually lead to anything in a way. And yeah. I'd much rather the resources on myself. Yeah. In a, I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, scrape for something here. But um, I mean, what I'm getting at is these games, the games where you have to make those sorts of decisions, 
that's it's just very high level high level League of Legends, which is just not needed to climb all the way to master. Well, yeah, yeah it's it's not a normal journey, guy. Right, because okay, let's say let's say I or you and I will play in gold. Okay, I'm just trying to think how I'll play differently. Dude, right? I did it Re- not even that long ago. Yeah, the, around the start of. March or something last year. I yeah. did. A, I started an unranked challenge not, series. Not long ago, Curtis. This is not that long ago. A year in now. Probably time. like seven, eight months ago. Eight months ago or something. Okay. Right? All right. Well, it's not that long ago. That's a long time, Curtis. Comparatively, when's the last you put time playing gold? Yeah, it would have been for my one of my guides, my Eve guy. No, not Eve. Yeah, my Eve guy. Probably. When was that? Yeah, probably four or five months ago. Oh, okay, so you actually before me then. So what was your yeah. experience like? Yeah. Okay. So let, let, let me let me just say let's let me just talk about. Um, Okay, so this this, this is I'm I'm not my mindset when I'm playing these games is not to carry. What I'm doing, which looks like that I'm carrying, is I'm punishing the enemy jungler for mistakes. Um, I'm getting easier kills because people don't respect me. So like this is what I'm doing specifically, and mm. it looks like I'm carrying. But no, this is the decision making. You're not, this is what you're I'm not doing. thinking. You're not going into a game thinking I have to carry. I'm oh. not thinking that when I play gold, when yeah. I play doing gold, yeah. I played whatever. I literally played Lux. I'm, I played Zerath. I played whatever, right? I'm knowing what fights to take, what fights not to take. I know... All right, so anyway, I think we're getting in a hole here, Nathan. Like, I think we just come back out a bit here. All right, let's drag, drag let's me out, Curtis. Let's, let's go out a little bit here. I just thought it was so interesting right there is that I... I again, maybe maybe it is because we're in high ELO because, again, we would, I would never take farm from my laner unless it was a very specific situation. Nathan, you don't climb... But that, that, that's like that. not the reason. Like, like if, if I think about my journey and stuff, like, uh, really, what I was doing, I was just understanding like efficient path in. You're playing to your fights, champion's identity, ba- basically really well. league fundamentals. League fundamentals yeah. every time. There's no carrying. Thing. There's no carrying. Carrying's not a league fundamental. <laughs> it's not. This is you the know? problems in here. Is that the fundamentals is what allows you to carry. All the fundamentals are. It allows you to replicate getting leads. Mm. Right. If you think about what allows you to carry. Kills, gold, experience, mm-hmm. resources. Mm. How do you get them? You get them through superior wave control, through jungle tracking, through great quality warding, creative playmaking, timing their buffs, through resource management, good quality tempo bases, which leads you to getting roams. These and then, are all fundamentals. Tracking the jungler so then you don't die, which will not eliminate. You might lose short-term CS, but you won't die and lose a lot more CS. So that's like another thing as well. These are the fundamentals that allow you to be strong. That's right. And the problem with this carry, I don't know, at the end of the day, the carry mindset is like you're heading into a game, you think everyone else is, is bad, terrible on my team. Bad, just, so, and, and they all happen to be good. And the enemies all happen to be good, <laughs> so I have to, car- I have to play yeah. above and beyond my level. Yeah. I, have to, I have to go above and beyond my role and my job just to win this game. Mm. It's just not the case. Because at the end of the day, dude, is that like the only thing you can ever ask for is to do your job and adapt to what is happening in that game. If it doesn't win you the game, it doesn't win you the game. You, it's not, it's not, this is the problem with the whole, this is my main problem, problem with this is that when you watch a streamer or a content creator a lot of the time on YouTube and Twitch and things like that, they're carrying because they're playing at an ELO that is significantly lower than where they're at. They don't carry at their ELO. No. None of them. No. Go to any one of these content creators, put them in the ELO that they are genuinely at, I guarantee you they will not carry. It's not, it's, it's all relative. Yes, I'm a high ELO player 
and I carry in gold, but I don't carry in challenger. You're a, you say you're a platinum player, you can carry in silver, but you're not going to carry in platinum. That's all it is. Yes, I'm a high elo, but it's not, the game's not any different. In a, in, it's the same game. You know, someone gets behind, someone gets ahead. The same thing in a way. So my problem with this whole thing is that like, why I think your arguments in here is a little bit flawed here is that I don't think I'm teaching anything different. Hmm. I don't think there yeah, is a difference. I, I, I think the word, I hate the word. I, 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 think the word it's, yeah. I think it's literally, it's a really lazy word. It is a lazy word. It's not it, specific. It's very lazy. And it's just like, we just group everything under this. It's like what this like means. Okay. You know? and, and, and some people might say carrying is split pushing and mm. getting heaps of resources, mm. right? That's not how you win in gold. No. And all platinum. Maybe high plat, you start, you have to start being in the side lane more. But gold, this is all gold is. Gold is 15 minutes A Rams. So your job is to be as strong as possible by 15 minutes and you do your job better than the enemy. Or be stronger than the enemy by the time it gets to 15 minutes, protect yourself at all times, and then try and do your job better than the enemy. So which requires the fundamentals of lane. So you can get ahead in the laning phase, get re- a, a gold advantages, XP advantages, and then also understanding your role better, which requires you to understand your champion's identity very well. And that's where champion mastery comes into play. So, um, yeah, no, no, Zinia, I, I, I mean, I like that you're coming back with this, and I'd love to hear back from what you think about this, but uh, I would have to respectfully disagree with your take. Um, and I'm going to continue to tell people that they should not use the word carry um, and even have the mindset to carry unless you're smurfing in which you probably don't need to watch my content anyway. Um, so does that answer the question, Nathan? Is there more? And let's say, let's say in terms of if you want to carry, okay, and you're, you, is now we're choosing champions. So it's like, is there, in mid lane, is, there's more carry champions than others you would you would, would you there definitely is right you in mid lane yes you know using like, the term like champions like carries like people okay so a like carry, ziggs versus carly okay no so this is the thing a carry by concept is mm. a champion that has um low cooldowns yeah they have low cooldowns and a lot and the ability to a lot of sustained damage they need to have sustained damage and low cooldowns that's why cassiopeia yone you know um yasuo carly yeah um, you know, yeah, like these for are jungle and stuff like Eve, Hecarim, yeah, that's all I got. For I like now. Kindred, Kindred, like champions with low cooldowns, um, and, and and scaling ideally, but but um, these are the champions that carry. That's why champions that aren't tanks really. Even like Victor, in a way, is not really a, and and also they need to ideally thrive in the side lane. Okay. Um. Not because they want to split push, but because they it allows them to get more resources. So they be there, shove it all the way out, then move. A champion like, you know, Ziggs, for example, can't really do that. Yes, they can team fight and scale pretty well, but they can't operate in the side lane. They're too immobile. So they can't even shove the wave out fully. So they actually can't get enough resources. So is it correct to recommend to a bronze, silver, gold player to play a carry champion? No, dude. No. Because, okay, and if we were to get specific here then, let's say what you would learn different. There's different skill sets in the... This is not carry versus non-carry. This is different skill sets in a way. Mm. Actually, no. It's the same skill set, but you're choosing the different option. For example, you're assessing... So think about as a... um, Let's let's talk about the concept of um, trying to get as many resources as possible. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. 
as a champion like Orianna, at certain parts in the game, you're probably too threatened to go to the side lane. So you have to find other ways to get a lot of resources, whether it's do you take jungle camps around you, whether you always take efficient bases, and you have to group more often to punish the person who is getting more resources. So there's counterplay to everything. Just because they, they have strengths, they also have weaknesses. Mm. What's the weakness to, to split pushing? They're not grouped with a team. Engage. Engage. Yeah. So like, it's like people feel like playing that carry champion that, you know, scales, can sit in the side lane, has lower cooldowns, is better. It's just not the case because there's sacrifices to it. I would much rather verse those champions when I'm climbing because I know that they take so long to scale. Mm. They don't thrive in the front to back 5v5 team fight until way later on in the game. And I'm going to have the agency in, in the entire early game to do whatever I want. Mm. You know? But then the argument's like, well, uh, when I'm playing this, we always go late game all the time. We can't close Yeah, but there's better the champions that like scale in a way that don't split push. Like, like, so my instant, like, instantly, it was always a champion I think that doesn't scale is really strong early game. He's like Renekton, right? Yeah, yeah. No, but I'm even talking about mages, like control, like Seraphine. Yeah. Seraphine doesn't side lane, but no. I think she's amazing for gold and even platinum. Okay. Think about it. Because she scales so well because it goes She has solar, decent solar laning, really easy to minimize yeah. no matter what. Um, she's great in the 15 minute ARAMs and she scales incredibly well into like mid to late game. Mm. Very good scaling. But she doesn't split push. But you, you have other strengths, That's right? That's strengths, yeah. Victor as well and Oriana. They don't really split push. You know? Mm. I mean, there really isn't. And at the end of the day, you know, we talk so much about champion mastery on this podcast. Mm. You're not going to... You've got to pick a champion you love at the end of the day, dude. That's yeah, it. you pick it. That's it. Pick a champion figure you love. Out. Figure it out. And through understanding the league fundamentals, not about the champion. Yeah. Yes, champion mastery is important. Remember, the point of champion mastery is you get so good at the champion, you don't have to think about using your abilities anymore. anymore. You can understand, you can play, you can learn the game. Well, you know, this is the thing, dude. I get people on my Discord say, you know, they want champions that can carry. They, they literally say that. Yeah. I've had people on my Discord say, I want to play champions that can carry. They want to play the Akali. But then what, they you, want to play what, the what you'll do is you'll review a game, okay, of yeah. this person. Yeah. They're, they're taking a, a numbers disadvantage fight. Yeah. Tell me how that's, a, that's relevant for that. Yeah, it's not relevant. They're, they're missing CS. Or they're dying to a random gank. They're basing incorrectly. Yeah. They are... Missing, yeah, missing CS, taking bad trades, not warding. Tell me how yeah. a carry champion solves your problem. Doesn't solve the problem at all. You know? I know. I'm trying to... This is what I'm trying to get across. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm so passionate about this subject, Curtis, because I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I actually don't really hear that anymore, to be honest. Maybe okay, if you guys are not convinced, go to my unranked. I, I stopped the unranked challenger videos because okay. I didn't want to do them. Yeah. I have a game where I play Lux. Yeah. Look at what happens in that game. Cool. That's perfect. Yeah, Lux is not a carry. I don't do, I just, I literally don't do, I do, do the absolute fundamentals. Yeah. Great bases. Yeah. Poke when the enemy walks up to CS. Did my job, played the front to back team fights, just win the game. Mm. That's ex if I, and this is me, and I tried to not do anything crazy, just played standard, just showed you what would happen. That's great. That's a good example. It's a great example. And, and again, what you're doing there is you're playing to your champion's strength. That's all I'm doing. Playing you're to my carrying champion. with Lux through her strength. Yes, but I'm not even carrying it away. I'm doing my job, but if you do your job well enough over a long period of time, you win more games than you lose. You know? That's how I feel in solo queue sometimes. Like mm. all you got to do is do your job better than the enemy's doing their job mm. in mid lane, mm. and then you play the numbers game and you'll win over time with a fifty-five percent win rate or whatever it is. You're not going to get a seventy percent win rate. You're not going to get that anyway. That's a problem with the carry mindset. Like you, your expect, ex, your expectation is that you can win way more games with this way of playing, but you just 
The other thing as well, last point before we, we, we move on from this, is a lot of these carry champions, they have, like, the, the skills required to genuinely carry with it aren't realistic. You're not actually going to... That champion isn't a carry when you play it. You know? Because you're not going to get 9 CS per minute as Cassiopeia, know exactly how to perfect threat assessment, how to peel and play front to back and understand jungle tracking and like warding and everything so you can side lane, push the sides out. And No, you're not adapting to... The, first of all, you don't, you don't have those skills and you actually genuinely cannot develop them because you're trying to develop high-level skills before the base, basics. Mm. But also on top of that, that's not how you win in those ELO brackets because everyone's groups anyway. That's the other thing. It's, genu- it's genuinely sabotaging your chances of winning because the way the games just play out. Yeah. I always, I always get scared when I have to say the game's played differently here, so you've got to play differently. Like, is, is that the case? Is it? like, Dude, gold, you have to. You have I to. Try, I, dude, I, the, the, the advice that I've given just gets people results now. Yeah. I've seen it. When I first started playing, like, coaching gold, I yeah. didn't know this. Yeah. And this is something I had to figure out because I learned through painful experiences of people getting no results in gold. Yeah. Wait, say, wait, what were you doing with gold players beforehand? I'd always say, like, oh, here, you should just, you know, shove out the side wave deep, get farm, then move. Yeah. But I realized that even when they did that and they got the farm, even that was on paper the correct play, the team wouldn't listen to pings or they wouldn't, like, they would just die. So what would you say eternally that gets them results? Now. Yeah. Is that you always, like, you have to just, just group first. Group first. Yeah. Get the vision, see what's happening. Why what happens if you're weaker? You just don't have a choice, dude. You've got a group. you got a group. There's no okay. choice. Yeah. And if you're weaker, that's end of review. If you're getting to 50 oh, yeah, minutes, that's you're weaker, right. that's end right. of review. That's right. That's interview. Then you just focus on the early saying. game. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's why I only focus on the first 12 yeah. minutes of the game yeah. in gold. Yeah. I mean, that's why I had my first jungle clear. Uh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, most of my If you're not stronger than your opponent at 12 minutes, then you've already failed the game. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, League, you shouldn't be winning games when you're weaker. No. That's not how it works fundamentally, isn't it? That's right. And if you if you really want to, like, yeah, just use the word one last time. If you okay. really want to carry. <laughs> yeah. Play a scaling champion and win lane. That's why boosters, they yeah, don't boost that's with right. Pantheon, yeah. Talia in mid-jungle. They can, but they don't... Oh, okay, let's say solo queue. They don't, they don't boost with Pantheon. They don't boost with Renekton. They don't boost with Jace. You can dominate lane all you want. They boost with champions at scale. Like what, Kassadin? Yeah, well, yeah, Kassadin, even like... Control majors like Victor, you can just carry hard, mm. lane, dominate mm. lane. That's why Syndra was another popular one. You mm. could dominate lane and then scale really well. With like Gathering Storm. Even like Fizz, because Fizz actually kind of scales. Yeah, sorry, Fizz, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so you gotta, you got to play teams that scale. So if you win lane and scale, it's a win-win, dude. Like some boosters play Talon and stuff, Curtis. Yeah, Talon's kind of an exception because you can just roam incredibly, incredibly. Yeah. It's like an insane roam yeah. champion. And those guys usually joy, though. So All right. So, what's the wrap up of that topic? The wrap up, carrying. Oh, I personally don't like the word. I don't want to use. I don't use it any of my coaching at all. And um, we we don't want to hear it. No. Anymore. Well, what I'm going to say to wrap it up is like I, I think that there are some games where you have to put on the carry shoes in a way. It's like yeah. your job is to be the main source of damage. Yeah. And probably take more resources than you would have otherwise had to purely because of the way the game is played out. But right there, you're making the best decision. Yeah, you're just making the, the best decision based off what you see. Yeah. And that's, I wouldn't say that's a very common thing. That's not like a carry mindset you have all the time. Like, and, it, and it very player. much depends on the champions you play. Yeah. You know, if you're playing, a, if, if you're playing like a bitch and playing like a facilitator is like, you know, 
Aurelia, then just don't play the champion, mm. you know? So it depends on the champion you're playing as well. So I think that wraps that up in a way. All right, guys, I want to give everyone a, an update on my solo queue because we said we're doing this. Okay. Do you want to do an update on your solo queue as well? Okay. Because um, I love sharing my journey, my experiences. You All know, right. it's only like, is it two weeks in the season? Three weeks. It's three weeks now, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's three weeks. Yeah, about three weeks, yeah. Wait, is it? Yeah, because it was the 8th of Jan, right? Yeah, 14. Dude, it's two, it's two weeks. Two weeks? Wait, the, it came 8th of the Jan, so it's the 25th. 8 plus 14 equals 22. Okay, so it's a, it's a little bit over two weeks, yeah. All right, anyway. It's not over three weeks yet. That's What's pretty crazy. What's going on with you, Nathan? All right, so um, I'm currently sitting in Grand Meister. Yep. Grand Meister. I always used to say that. Grand Meister. Grand Meister yeah. from Game of Thrones. I was like, <laughs> to Curtis all the time, I just want to be a Grand Meister. All right. So I'm Grand Master, 211 LP. I have a 54% win rate. I'm rank 48 on the OCE server, if that means anything. Um, I have started to play a little bit more Hecarim. And I feel like my Nunu's dropping off for some reason. Interesting. And I, it's weird. I don't know what's going on. So, you know, because, you know, the first, uh, my first week, I said I, was, I had a 14% win on Hecarim. Yeah. I think it's 50% now, but yep. I feel just bit better on him because I feel I mean Nunu Nunu some games especially again this is from a high low perspective some games I really feel useful like I need AD mids I feel with, with Nunu. Nunu yeah okay. I need like the Yone Pantheon Rekt and Talon all that sort of stuff you know um, and I feel just so much more disadvantaged playing that I mean it's fine I mean you can definitely it's not it's not the reason why I feel like Nunu's dropping off or whatever but like yeah, some games just feel really bad. Like, literally, like, I, I'm losing this game because I have no options, you know, because, like, I have all-week laners. Because if you have all-week laners with Nunu, you don't really scale. So what are you focusing on right now? What am I focusing on? In terms of learning objective? Yeah. What are you trying to improve? Oh, I'm improving tracking the enemy jungler and sharing that information with my team. That's okay. all I'm focusing on right now. And I feel like it's going, I feel like it's going really well. I, f- I feel like I feel so comfortable in, the ga- in my games because I know... I have an idea where the jungle is at all times, and I know whether the counter gank. I know what they're gonna do. I know. Um, I'm also thinking two minutes ahead. Okay, if they've lost tempo here, what can I get on the back end of that? It's like let's say they spend a lot of time um, in one area of the map. I know they're gonna have to reset, go topside, and then I have, a, I have a window to sneak into that area that they were before to steal their camps. You know, like let's say if the bot side romp and blue and stuff. So like that. So why do you lose games? Um, I'm losing also oh, mechanics here's a huge one I'm mechanically misplaying a lot like because you know I'm, I'm definitely getting outclassed I'd say mechanically in some of these games especially against like the, the, the you know the top mid laners and and stuff and sometimes I'm failing ganks what else is going on I mean look at my OPG like I actually know what because I, I know I've been reviewing all my games I know what's happened in all those games and again there's nothing here that I feel like I can't fix you so know? you're on the. You feel like you're on the way up. Yeah, I feel like I'm improving, and um, oh, something really stuck with me as well. Yeah. Um, from so we're, so we're UFC fans, me and Curtis. Yep. Okay. I mean, are we UFC fans? We like picky sort of with the UFC fights we watch. I would say we enjoy watching it. I wouldn't say we're hardcore fans by any means. And so Conor McGregor was a big fight yesterday. Conor McGregor versus That's Dustin. Right. Um, and I'm a big Conor Gregor fan myself, okay? I'm not going to make excuses for him. He lost. Spoiler alert. I mean, if you don't know that, like, you know, you obviously don't follow the UFC. And there's something he said about 
it just he felt just rusty. It's, it's he's got to get get that rust off because he hadn't fought for a year, and like it's like there is an element to it, and I'm feeling really comfortable. Okay, so the perfect analogy is like because I'm playing in challenger games all the time now, essentially. Like I'm playing you know because last season I was always in diamond, right? So I'll play randomly sometimes when I was in diamond the challenger games, but once every like ten games, and I'd feel like I'm in a different game. But now that I'm always playing in challenger games all the time. I'm feeling comfortable with like the pace of the game, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm. And, and that's like, again, I think I'm, I'm getting quick, better, a lot quicker because mm. I'm understanding, because I'm losing games for my team sometimes, just hardcore straight up. Like mm. I've been called some bad stuff over the last yeah. couple of days. And um, yeah, there's like, yeah, what Conor Rick says is really resonating with me. It's like, you got to get in it, in it. And this is why I think for league as well, I was thinking about it today. You can't just be on and off with league. You can't play for two months and then like, you have exams or something like that and you stop playing. Mm. Like, unfortunately, mm. I feel like if you really want to consistently improve at the game, you got to make time. You got to make time and just be, even if it's a little bit of time. This is also kind of, you got to get into it. What you're saying as well is that the better your opponents are, the faster that you too improve. As well, that too as so well. So this is also why playing on a second account hurts yeah. you big time. Yeah. Like you can still slightly improve, mm. you know, but like you're just going to improve way better by losing in a higher Lilo. Yeah. You yeah, learn way more. Absolutely, dude. And I'm feeling so comfortable. It's like, I feel like this is my arena. Like, playing at these Challenger games, I'm starting to feel that. Which it's awesome, is, dude. Which is interesting. It'll be super so. interesting to see how you go over the next few months. I would say the next few months is going to be very interesting. But I would say right now, I have a lot of confidence. It's good as, dude. Which is great. And how's your, how are you going, Curtis? Um, I'm at 38 wins, 42 losses, 48% win rate. I love it. How cool is that, Curtis? You have a forty. I, I love it, dude. Forty-eight percent win rate from top ten last year to a forty-eight percent win rate. rate. And yeah, my I've just been figuring out my pool because so I removed Echo. Um, so I'm in the process of adding in Fizz. I've only played eleven games with Fizz so far. I've, I've, I've barely got any games. My most played is Victor twenty-eight, and then below that's Fizz with eleven. Um, and I'm fifty-five percent wearing Fizz, getting there slowly, and then. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm not even sure about my AD pick mid. I thought it was going to be Renekton, but I actually really, which I actually pretty good at it, but I actually really like Jace, um, which is going to be tough for me. But I, again, I, I'm not really caring about the win rate. Like I kind of feel like Jace is, I've always been comfortable with Jace. And I think that if I can get really good at Jace, then um, he'd be a worthy investment. But I'm still thinking about that quite honestly. Um, and then Cassio. So I have Victor, Fizz, Cassio are my three. And then my fourth, my AD, I'm, I'm really unsure. I'm weighing up between um, Renekton and Jace. I'm kind of putting Yone to the side for now. I just don't feel like I'm ready to put in the time with him. Yeah. Because with Jace, I've played him a lot in the past. Yeah. Renekton, I've played him a lot in the past. Yeah. I don't want to add in a brand new AD. AD. I just don't. Yeah. I just don't want to go through that process anymore. Because I did that with Echo and I'm done with that. It takes a long time and I just... Don't want to do it. So what are you at? You're at 280 LP? 288, What yeah. ranks that? 41. 41. So yeah, I feel like I'm getting a lot more comfortable with Fizz though. I've struggled a lot at the start when I tried to re-put him back into my pool. I, was, I lost like the first six games I played with him. Um, but I won all the rest of them, which is pretty cool. And can, do you want to respond to the people calling you a hypocrite about Echo? Do you have anything to talk about that? I mean, again... So that's from last episode. So you well, no, because at the Echo. end of the day... For me, you got to enjoy the champion you play. Yeah. I, I, when push comes to shove. Yeah. If you don't enjoy the champion you play, it can't work. You just weren't enjoying it. I, I genuinely was not enjoying my time. Because the, the way I was playing Echo before that was getting me results, I enjoyed that. I, I felt super comfortable 
relaxing, play off my power spikes, and kind of being a two, like getting to my rocket belt and then being super impactful. But that style, although it it will work really well in other elos, it just in Master Plus there are too many counter picks right now to Echo. I just don't. F- First of all, I can't pick it even mm. when I have a lot of champion mastery. Mm. I can't. And if I wanted to do that and say yes, there is a level of champion mastery that if I could get really good at those bad matchups, I don't enjoy the champion enough to get into the details. So, for example, before you could pick Echo, into, and then like you know there was the counter picks that was like pretty hard ones. There's a Kali, pretty much unplayable, and then you have like Silas, which is really really hard. Um, and then there's other ones like Cassidy, which is impossible as well. He has like really hard counter matchups. You can't really blind pick it. But even if you played one of those really hard ones like a Silas, there are miniature ways to kind of deal with it. But you have to get very spicy with the runes and builds and summon a spot. You have to take Ignite and then like maybe Halo Blades and start E and just try out different things. It's like, to my, I thought to myself, like, I can go down this route. But I, I, I'm not having fun right now. I feel like that's a potentially dangerous narrative, Curtis. Mm. Because people can... To push. They like, need to push. I, be- I agree. Because if we tell... Because I have um, like lower ELO clients all the time. They are giving up on things because they're not enjoying it. But they're not enjoying it because they're seeing because they're not the good. results. So that's, I, so I get that's that as dangerous. well. Because once they get... You actually have more fun when you get good. I yeah. say that all the time. Yeah. But for me... Well, it's a combination of that... Even if I put in the time and get to that point, it's like the champ just sucks at high elo, dude. It just fucking sucks at the end of the day. <laughs> okay. Like, like, yeah. Why play Echo when he doesn't have a clear identity comparatively to all these other champions? Yeah. That's the other thing as well. I'm yeah. thinking, like, let's just say I get really good at Echo. I don't think I could ever pick. I couldn't pick him that often, even if I was insanely good at him. It's not like Oriana. If you're really good at Oriana, you can like do whatever you want. You can, like, get to rank one with that champion. You can't get to rank one with Echo. You just can't. Just, the champ's just fundamentally flawed in high elo. Mm. That's why it's a very niche counterpick. And the, the times where you see it a lot is when it's super strong. Um, even 610. Probably the, one of the best Echoes in EU. Up there. Top three easily. Struggles with it. Mm. Really struggles with it. Mm. And I'm like, well, that guy's mastered that champion. Yeah, he's putting a lot. Of, he's putting way more hours than you. Well, that's an understatement. He's probably got a thousand more hours than me on it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just don't want to do it, dude. End of story. I don't know what to say. It's just I don't want to play it. Okay. I'm so, sticking with my Fizz. I played Fizz for a few seasons. I'm sticking with my Cassio, my bread and butter, my Victor, my, ca- my bread and butter. And then figure out my fourth one then. That's it. But the thing is, everyone's telling me why I play Cassio. The Cassio sucks. Yeah. It does suck, but I enjoy the chant. There you go. So that's the counter argument. Yeah. So so Echo, you feel sucks in high elo, but you don't enjoy it. It's worth enough to try and f- yeah. make, make it work. Cassio sucks, kind but of. But you're, tr- you're happy But I'm happy to like work. figure out and make it work <laughs> in a way, you know? Yeah. Like I'm happy to go through the pain of Cassio because I genuinely love the champ. And I think I could like, there's more creative ways, things I could do in a way. Um, it has a clear identity, you know? It has a very clear identity. Okay, but there isn't a, a limit to this because we don't want to see... Definitely. I don't want to see people going going around. They they love Malphite and they play Malphite jungle. Right. You know, like like yeah. that's scary message as well, Curtis. To be put. Why if you start saying yeah. mid lane? It's because of the, I enjoy Udi. I want to play. It well, mid-lane. okay. This is this is a sad reality, dude. Is that we're not normal league players. Yeah. Like what applies to a challenger level player just doesn't just apply doesn't. to the. You're at the top zero point zero zero one percent. It's a different just, game. Just doesn't. Apply. I've been playing it, the game for eleven years, dude. Literally, it's my eleventh season. Think about that. Mm. Played since season one. Like, just whatever 
I say or whatever I do, it's it's you have to. There's so much more context behind it. Mm. So if you want to think I'm a hypocrite, you can think I'm a hypocrite and I'm following I'm from my YouTube. I don't give a shit, honestly. Because <laughs> yeah. you know that if people really know me, they know that I'm not a hypocrite. Yeah. Um, it's, just an ex- it's just an exception. This is like a rare exception. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out four champions that all have a clear identity, that work in high yellow games that I really enjoy. I'm going to fail. I'm going to have, I had a sh- shocking win with Fizz. I stuck through it. I, sh- I still have a shocking win with Casio. I have a 33% winner over six games so far. I'm probably going to have, probably going to say it 33% <laughs> for the next 20 as well. I love it. But figure it out. You You'll know? figure it out because you enjoy it. That's right. All right. Well, I'm glad we cleared the air with that, Curtis, the elephant in the room. No, but also if someone, and that's what I tell people all the time, my loyalty, if they, like I tell gold people, they say they want to play a Kali. And I say, okay. if you really love the champion, play it. Play it, yeah. I even say that, even yeah. though that's not what I would recommend. Yeah. Play it. Yeah. You know? Because if you love a champion enough, you can find a way to make it work at the end of the day just make sure that you're not hating a champion for the wrong reasons if you're if you hate a champion just because you're losing yeah that's what that's, i feel what people do i i mean i would say because, mine's because, a combination though i was hating Lecker because yeah I, it must be right yeah no, i, I, I just don't know when do I, first of all when do i pick it yeah but even the way i was winning felt bad even when i was winning i wasn't having fun with echo that's the problem got it on this new style i mean with this new patch this season 11 mm. when I, I won a few games right mm. But I was like, when I win, it's just like, it felt so underwhelming, dude. Mm. I had like perfect CS, flawless, and it was still feels very, very average. Yeah, I didn't have, I wasn't having fun at all. So why play? I, I genuinely got to the point where I was saying, I spoke to this to six, and I was like, what's the point of playing Echo, dude, in these games? That's how I feel. I don't know. All right. All right. So we're moving on to the big topic. Here now. we go. E-sports. Electronic sports. I got my little, some notes here, my little notebook here. So, this is less going to be about like the sport. It's more about the business. The business side of things. Um, This is what we, and let's just say a bit about us, right? Like, why listen to us about this? You know, why would someone give a shit about our opinions? Some young whippersnippers. About esports business. Like, what do we know, right? (laughs) Um, We were in esports for a while. We were in esports quite a long time we've seen a lot spoke to a lot of people yep um traveled the world and specifically nathan being that was his job i was the team owner manager of dial nathan's job was to make sure years. we made money that's right right yeah and yes At we understand that thought about it a lot we're in australia so it's a different market bit, 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 yeah different market but from what we've seen in other teams internationally because we are not completely disconnected from other teams. We have contacts and spoken to people. Mm. Um, it's not that different at all. Numbers are a little, little bit different, but the problems are still the same. So a business model is a business model at the end of the yep, day, isn't it? Same business model. Same business. That's what we were trying to do. So well, what is the business model, Nathan? Let's break, first of all, break down the business model of a esports team. Okay. In League of Legends. In League of Legends. So when you say a business model, you're talking about how to make money, right? How it, where, where, yeah. At the end of the day, it's a business, right? Okay, so... How do they make money? So, League of Legends is very... I mean, esports in general has been famous for the last couple of years. It's like 90% of your revenue is from sponsorship, and like 10% maybe other little things like merch, uh, digital revenue from like icon sales and stuff like that. What about rev share from the league? The league as well. Well, I mean, the league That's would have to be making right? money. Yeah, I guess you would categorize or that as sponsorship. Sponsorship? Maybe not. Maybe rev share. Revenue share. 
But I'd say it's sponsorship because okay. the, the revenue from the league is also still sponsorship. sponsorship. Yeah. Okay. So that's what it traditionally is in esports. And how does this differ to a traditional sport? How does the esports business model differ to, say, soccer, you know, say the English Premier League or the NBA or something like that? Australian Open, tennis. So ticket sales, we know is a big one. Remember when we spoke to, was it Nigel Smart from LA Crows? Yep. We said, um, uh, like, you know, what's a, I remember having a conversation something about some game was cancelled or something like that. And he says, oh, like, you know, does that affect you much? And he says, yeah, ticket sales are like 40% or, I don't actually know another percentage, but he, Very like, high number. he emphasized it was big. And okay? I remember in the NFL, it's massive. Yeah. Ticketing is absolutely Well, massive. it's also tied into their membership and stuff, right? So that just doesn't exist for esports right now. I mean, there's well, ticketing. first of all, memberships for teams don't exist. No. I mean, Cloud9 have a have one. They tried one. They're, they're trying one. That's interesting. I Actually, one. It'd be interesting to see how that goes. That's but like a really expensive one. It's like thousand super bucks. Super expensive. Right? It's like for super fans. But there's no ticketing, which is massive, 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 massive. Okay, so that's the big difference. Would you say? TV rights. And TV right deals. That's right. It's huge as well. Yeah. And right now, it's just all Twitch through the league as well. Again, the idea is that, okay, well, then LCS signs a deal with YouTube or Twitch or something like that. They get a cut and they share that with the teams and the players and that sort of stuff, right? Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know how that goes because Twitch has so much leverage, you know, because it's Twitch is Twitch. It's yeah. like they're not going to yeah, stream exactly. on Twitch. Like have an exclusive platform. Well, they're um, on YouTube as well, so it can't be exclusive. Yeah, it's, it's not exclusive right now. I don't so probably, so. We don't even know if they do have a deal. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Um... So, so that's that. That's let's let's we've clarified what the business model is. Yeah. Now, those are the ways you make money. And well, 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 you know what I think the actual. So this is like the actual business model is though, Curtis, for an LCS team or LEC team. Okay, you buy a team for ten million dollars. Yep. Okay. Your what what the strategy right now really is is like okay so you spend all this money all this all this money that you don't have right it's just like investor investment, money yeah. right with the idea that your franchise is suddenly going to be a hundred million five hundred million a billion dollars in five six years so it, let's say if you come in with a team and let's say a ten million dollar buying for the slot that's how much it was and then over the next five ten years you spend fifty million dollars those on player salaries yeah. Gaming houses, office spaces, transport, and whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's pretty reasonable. Okay, um, and then that gets you—that's like sixty million dollars. And then by then, you've got a, a franchise that's five hundred million dollars. You made four hundred forty million dollars profit. Yeah, and you mean the franchise is in your slot in that? Well, your league. the team, yeah, the team itself. The, the slot, team itself, the team. just through everything. It's like it's a—it's an asset. The a- it's an asset. asset. It's growing. Growing, yeah. But that's also not because of the growth of just your team, but also the industry itself, right? Like, mm-hmm. a lot of them are relying on the industry to still growing. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then you would need to really get in here. It's like, okay, um, will a franchise get to the $500 million? Because at the end of the day, there has to be money coming in to make it a, a business is a business. At the end of the day, these teams are businesses, right? That's right. They're not non-for-profit organizations. No. Okay? Well, that's what they run like at the moment. Yes, that's right. Well, the idea is just growth, 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 growth. growth. And I, I did some digging, you know, especially on the lower end of teams, right? Well, that's actually, before we go into the numbers here, right? Okay. We need to clarify to the average, we got to talk as if people don't really understand how the business models work yeah. and how sponsorship works. Yeah. 
Okay, so we said before, 90% sponsorship. It's the majority of money, if you look at like a, a team like TSM or whatever it is, they have all these massive big title sponsors. You know, some of them have like, was G2 have like BMW and stuff like that, or Mercedes yeah, or something yeah, like that. There's some, big there's some big sponsorship deals. Yeah. The reason these brands do this now, what's the reason these brands want to be involved with these teams? Well, so right now the market's so... It's so new. It's not like a traditional sports where you know it's like okay, I have a little signage here. This is how much it's worth for market rate or whatever compared to stadiums. Because think about think about you're a brand, say you're like Gillette, right? The Shavers. Yeah. And you know, well, there's actually Gillette Stadium, isn't there, in America somewhere? I believe I'm so. Yeah. There's literally Gillette Stadium. Yeah. But anyway, you know, like you know what you're gonna get. There's X amount of people attend this stadium. Mm. X amount of people watch this game every single year. And this is where the sign's gonna be. It's it's very tangible. You know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to have an ad here on the TV and this X amount of people are going to see it. You, you're paying for eyeballs and the KPI, like the key performance indicators from these brands. It's very easy to hit and you know what you're going to get. The thing with esports is that it's different. It's just so different. First of all, you don't, they're still trying to understand the audience. They don't really know how to understand how to, like, because there's no um, stadiums, right? So it's like on broadcast th- things. No one knows how effective they are. No one knows how to integrate the actual brand with, like, content. Like, they don't know what sort of content to make. Well, right, I've tried some things, like, on the Rift and stuff, like, extra branding and stuff, like... Yeah. There. So what we're trying to get at here is that it's very new. Yeah. And we don't really know... These brands don't really know what they're getting for for their money. So yeah. they're just making up a number. You know, it's yeah. like, all right, it's a new industry. It's like this other brand. Of, this, is, this is what we get on like a, a game we yeah. watch. These are this many people. Our competitors paying probably this amount. With yeah, this is like the market rate as of now. Let's just... Because it's so new. They have well, they're, to, they're testing the waters as well. Like when LG came on board with us... They had no idea what they got themselves into. They just wanted to be a sign. So LG was a sponsor of Direwolves. Yeah. And they just came in and said, like, we don't, yeah. We don't know what's going on. We don't on. really know what's going on, but we, it's in that space. It sounds pretty cool and innovative. <laughs> yeah. Let's just get in there, right? Yeah. And I, no, I didn't know what I was doing because that was the first sponsorship I so had. Just like, pull well. down a number out of your ass. Yeah. Yeah. And same for HyperX in a way. Mm. HyperX was a sponsor. Nathan's actually got the shirt on right now. HyperX share, Woo! right? Direwolves. Free advertising. The, what the, the, the money we got from HyperX. It wasn't really, there wasn't real KPIs, was there? There was no, no real... Well, HyperX is a little bit different because HyperX, their entire marketing strategy was through esports. Does that make sense? Because they're, they're yeah, actually, they actually they're, sell... They were trying to be the esports... Well, they're an endemic sponsor yeah, endemic in a way. Sponsor. They actually yeah, sell different. keyboards and mouse, so it actually kind of makes sense. Sort of same with LG for monitors. Well, endemic sponsors is essentially for the... Again, let's be very... Let's explain everything. And an endemic sponsor is someone that's within the actual market. Keyboards, mice, chairs... Desks and an endemic sponsor of tennis would be like a racket company, right? Yeah. Or a tennis ball company, or socks, or socks, or shorts, whatever it is, yeah. right? Um, so endemic sponsors kind of make sense, and they kind of know the value because they can think, all right, if X many people are watching this, a percentage of them might buy our keyboards versus our competitors, and that actually was a successful strategy for HyperX. Mm. Actually, it worked for them. Mm. Um, but non-endemic sponsors, you know, how many people are going to buy a BMW or a Mercedes? What does that mean? <laughs> Um, well, the idea or the is Kia that Kia Modal, Kia is DRX Kia, and one of them teams in LCK is literally Kia. Or something. Kia, yeah. You know what does that mean? How what's that worth? Mm. I don't know. It's hard to tell. So, so what we're getting at? Well, here is- so we we think the business models, we think the esports ecosystem is a joke, essentially. Don't we, Curtis? Yes. That, 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 that's Simply the, put. That's the point. It, it's it's right now. It doesn't make sense. No, to be more specific, it's a bubble. It's a bubble, yeah. It's a bubble that is going to burst. And people are going to lose jobs. 
it's going to be a shit show, in mm. my opinion. Mm. I mean, this is our theory. This is our For theory. anyone who's watched the movie uh, The Big Short, there's a character in The Big Short called Michael Burry. Michael Burry is the movie about the, was it 07? 08 crash. 08, yeah. 08 crash in yeah. the housing market. Yeah. And he was like a hedge fund manager. And Michael Burry predicted, he was like reading into like all the mortgage bonds, right? He was saying how this person, he's literally getting into the details. This person hasn't paid their mortgage. This person hasn't paid their mortgage. This person hasn't. And then they go out there, send people like trying to understand what's happening with the housing market. Oh, wow. This person has like eight houses. And like, there's just this huge marketing, like housing bubble, um, housing market bubble. And so he gets into the details and he's like, holy shit, I got to call bullshit on this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to re- I got to tell people, I'm going to show, I got to sh- create a new thing to short, right? So he creates a new. To bet against he, the market. He tries to bet against the housing market, mm-hmm. which had never been done before. Mm-hmm. No one had ever bet against the housing market. Because it was so stable for decades. For decades, so stable. But he saw this with bubble, right? But no one believed him. Everyone thought he was crazy. We're the crazy guys. Well, guys. We, I mean, yeah, we. Well, this I is feel the like it. I, I'm. I'm trying. I've been trying hey, to so work it out. We've been spoken about this. Yeah. We and this is gonna be. We're gonna. People are gonna think we're crazy. Mm-hmm. But this is the reason. At the end of the day, we are not in esports. One of the biggest reasons. Yeah, we think that the we don't want to support the ecosystem because we think it's just not valid right now. And I don't feel safe being in esports. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel, feel safe, like no. I can actually create a livelihood in esports without no. just my job just being made redundant instantly. Yeah. I don't believe, and plus, there's a whole other host of problems that we've probably gone into in this show with like the lack of professionalism in the industry and how we, we don't really want to be a part of that as of now, anyway. But the main one is the the esports business model just being fundamentally flawed, mm. and esports being a huge bubble that is going to collapse. So what we're going to try and do is talk through why we believe this, what our stance is on esports, and why we think it's a massive problem. And what I'm trying to do, Nathan, is clarify the problem with sponsorship. And how sponsorship works first before we actually talk about the problems of it, sorry. So that's what I was trying to get into. A brand approaches, a, or X, vice versa, a, a team well, approaches a I've brand. I've always viewed sponsorship as a very fickle, it's a very fickle form of money. Because at the end of the day, it's a separate company who has their own incentives, okay? They could pull that money out any time they want. Sponsorship money is the f- marketing, the marketing department in general hmm. is the first money to go. As soon as like a, a business goes through financial troubles, the first budget they're going to cut is the marketing budget, isn't it? Or like sponsorship yes. specifically. Yes, most likely. That's one of the first things. It's one of the first things to go. They can't afford. Why would we support? We got to. We got to figure out how to actually create a good product first, or create a good service, or well, we got to survive. Or survive. Right. We don't need to sponsor this esports team. Mm. That's the last <laughs> thing we want to spend. I want to save this two hundred thousand. I mean, they don't even know where you know where the money's it's going. What's this doing? Yeah, it's kind of like investing in cryptocurrency or some shit. You have mm. no idea. Mm. You know, like um, it's the same thing, or like a hedge bet on some like crazy stock that you have no idea about that could just pop off. But it's like it's like a one percent chance that it's actually going to work. Um, so yeah, that's the other thing. So, so it's very fickle money, right? And who knows. Okay, think about, let's just actually think about, uh, you're creating a budget for an esports team. We sit down together, Nathan, say we're in Diables here, and we're trying to figure out how much money we have so we can actually figure out, okay, what players can we or can we not afford? How much coaching, how many coaching staff or the quality of coaching staff can we afford? What sort of housing or office space can we afford? How many computers can we purchase? What, what's the quality of the food, the budget? We can, can we get a personal chef? Whatever it is, right? We're trying to figure out the budget. How do we run this operation? In order to create a budget, you've got to know how much money is coming in. You've got to know your revenues. When you're relying on sponsorship as a key 90% of your revenue, 
when that can just be taken away and you're trying to forecast, right? You do a budget, something for a year, two years, three years. How can you forecast that? You're just hoping that that sponsor doesn't go away. You're hoping that they... Or the market doesn't take a hit in some way and yeah, then you're just sponsor praying, goes down. Dude. How can you budget around this? Look at Golden Guardians. Mm. Golden Guardians. A perfect example. So that they relied on daddy Golden State Warriors for money. The NBA took a hit from COVID. Their budget Boom. gets cut. Bam. Done. done. And have to get a shit roster. Yeah. And they, they were in discussion for, for good players as well. Yeah, and they had to cut it all completely. They had to cut it all completely. Like that right there. So that's that's a little crack, okay? That's a crack. That's one crack. We're talking about multiple cracks here. Another crack here. The Fnatic crowdfund raise. They raised a million dollars, something like that. And the whole marketing bullshit was like, we want you to be a part. No, it's we're money. broke. It's the money grab. They're broke. <laughs> we're broke, okay? Um, Echo Fox. Echo Fox. That whole thing exploded. Exploded. Um, and I was looking at a couple of the, the teams, right? So, oh, yeah, um, this is the equivalent of Michael Burry going into the actual files, the Excel spreadsheet, getting into the mortgage bonds and seeing Sally from Arizona, mortgage, overdue, six months, un- underpaid. Uh, Larry from Chicago, mortgage. He's just getting into the fucking details here. This is what we're doing, right? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get some facts here. I'm trying to get some facts here. So... Immortals, the LCS team, they have 47,000 subscribers on YouTube. So I've only gone over YouTube because I feel personally that YouTube is such a good measurement to see how engaged an audience is. Because video, at the end of the day, video... Video is everything. Video is everything nowadays. It just is. You know, like you have Facebook, Twitter. It's just a post with a picture, Instagram. Shit. You know, it's like, it doesn't mean it's... Because a video is you're sitting there spending time watching it, right? If you're on Instagram or Twitter... If you're a genuine fan of anything... mm. You're gonna like if you're a fan of Conor McGregor, you've gone on YouTube and you've typed in. That's Conor a McGregor. big time investment, and I'm watching an eight minute UFC embedded thing video you know? on Conor McGregor. Well, and I've watched the whole series; it's like 50 minutes gone. Mm, me too. Yeah. But, but looking at some Instagram post or some Twitter tweet, that is very little time, yeah. right? It's not actual like my attention is there. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's there, but it's not. So like, Immortals, Immortals here has 47,000 YouTube subscribers. A bunch of their player interviews um, for the whole LCS this, this is their main roster. We're talking yeah, about... main th- roster. And think about this comparatively to other sports. On, in, in league, you have five players, okay? Five. In the NFL, I don't know how many, in AFL and these sports... You have like you 30, have 40 huge players. Huge rosters of yeah. people. Think about then, therefore, if you only have five players on your team and they're the only people you see every single time they play... Surely they have to have a bigger audience, or a, a reasonable. At least one of them have to have a reasonably big audience. So on the YouTube channel, they have player profiles, three hundred views a piece. Xerxes three hundred and three, Ray's two hundred and sixty, Revenge two hundred fifty eight, Destiny two hundred thirty three. Um, I looked at EG. EG don't even use YouTube. TSM are really big on YouTube. Um, they have two million subscribers. They have really big on Fortnite and stuff like that. And it's not just League. Not League, yeah. But at the end of the day, they're still getting like 100K views. Mm. Cloud9, same, 400,000, 450,000. Their league content's getting upwards of about 50K, mm. you know, ish. I guess it's, I guess it's pretty yeah. good, 19,000. But that's the thing. C- C9 and TSM are like outliers. Yeah, they're outliers. That's the problem. And they're, this is, they're, this they're, is they're the, the toxic. They're the best of the business in terms of. I mean, they make money because. I mean, they could. Pro- I mean, we, are, we, we can't assume, right? We don't know if they're profitable or not, but. It's like Liquid, there's like three teams. It's like Liquid, C9, C9 and, TSM. and TSM. Yeah. It's like, you can't... Well, they've, they've, got, they've done the 90% of sponsorship well, because they just 
collect it all for themselves. They've done it, yeah. And like you, every other team is, is less to rot. Mm. You can't have a league where only three teams are profitable. How is it run? You can't. But even then, right? You're saying as like, you know, Cloud9. Like- Dignitas, 74,000 subscribers on their YouTube channel. 1.4K for their team announcement video. That's 1.4,000 people. Yeah. Think about how many people work at these orgs as well, dude. Hundreds of those views are probably their friends and family. <laughs> yeah. Think about all the friends and family of the players and then That's right. and the people who work there and everything. It's probably only a thousand different people. FlyQuest don't really post on it at all. They have a Welcome Johnson video for 5K. And he's, he's a big name, Johnson, right? He mm-hmm. was like a super hot player. So there's no real attention for these teams. Yes, they play in the LCS, right? And the LCS gets a lot of attention. Yeah. Okay, but then but then we need to think about as well. So what's well, quality? It's, we're gonna look at the quality, dude. At the end of the day, as well, it's about. It, okay, put put yourself right now. If you're a fan of LCS, I want you to tell me how much money you've spent on a team or on the LCS. Okay, you compare that to um, a traditional sports fan. They've bought ticketing merchandise a lot of merchandise they get like food and shit when they're there at food the event. at the event well that's sort of like with venue think about us like we buy I've spent more money mm. on UFC than league yeah that would be true we uh, buy the pay-per-view yeah buy, we buy the pay-per-view yeah. buy the pay-per-view many a times yeah think about that yeah it's true yeah and we're like in the industry and stuff like that I mean we're kind of not the best example yeah, but I would say like- that that's a pretty accurate because remember buying riot points is not you, you're not, that, that money's not going to esports. Yeah, that's that's, separate. that's completely separate. Mm. Think about you, you're contributing to the the esports economy by buying a jersey, going to this small studio. What else? What I guess watching in a weird way. There's nothing. They had the pro view, but the pro view. Was, was I guess big, you reckon? I think it was okay. That was good. That's a good step. That was I good. Think. That was so. That yeah, was one of the. Th- that was one of the good steps. It's yeah. like a scalable model, which was like a great service. But I again, that's not to the teams. That's oh, actually well, the teams theoretically get a revenue share of that. But like, right, have to cover yeah. their costs. I think the icons and stuff are really good as that's well. That's true. Yeah. The icon and skin sales all for the teams. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. But again, we're talking minimal money comparatively. Let's, let's, let's say let's even push the boundaries. Because we, we've done the icon stuff before, right? Yeah. So what can we share about that? Uh, well, for Worlds, when we went to China, I mean, it was pretty... I mean, it's pretty... I mean, again, it doesn't cover costs of... Yeah, we're just talking about how teams. much, roughly how much. Can we say a ballpark figure? Yeah, it's like 40K, 50K we made. Uh, so we're 40, 50K from icons, right? Icons. Uh, skins. Well, well that, was the world, that was also the, the Kha'Zix skin that, that we had a, for Dials. cool Kha'Zix skin. So a lot of people around the world bought that skin, yeah. right? Now, compare that with, even if, say, let's push that, let's triple that for, like, a really big team. Well, no, we wouldn't triple it for a big team. We'd, like, let's say 10x it. I'll 10x it. 10x that for like, a, for, like, a TSM. Yeah. Okay, so let's just get that to 400,000. Yeah. Okay? I mean, you say you made 400,000 for one of the best teams in the world. Yeah. Um, now, think about one player salary. One. They're on like million dollar deals. The average player salary in the LCS is like three, what, 350,000 US? Actually, do you remember that was AUD, 40,000 AUD? No, sorry, that would have been, I think it was 27,000 US. Oh, yeah. Right. Which is about 40,000 Australian or 35,000. Right. So, about, let's just say 200, let's say 300,000 US then. Yeah. One salary in the LCS. That's one salary. You yeah. just covered one salary. And you had to make it to world. You had to make it to world and like they had to do this amazing skin for you and yeah. everyone had to buy that. Yeah. Which is not a and, reliable and, and, and it was the audience. That was the huge audience. That's, That's the biggest audience event. you could possibly get. Yeah. It's only the LCS audience. 
So what we're getting at here is that the revenue... Okay, at the end of the day, what? Profit equals revenue minus expenses. There's very little revenue with a hell of a lot of expenses. That's right. If this whole thing would be fine if it was a small-scale operation. Think about it. Yes. When, when in the history of any sport has there been this much money and actually survive long-term? Like, you, there might have been, like, some weird sport at the start that just got a shit ton of venture capital money. Like, created, like, what is it? Remember that? Well, I mean, you, the biggest comparison is you look at soccer teams. They're just owned by billionaires. It's like a, it's like a little not, play They're thing. not a business. It's just, like, a play thing, right? Play yeah, thing. theoretically. Well, it is a business, but it's, like, more of, like, a, a cool thing. It's like, I own the soccer team. I'm a billionaire, you know? Yeah. Like an NBA team, in a way. A lot of like, yeah. rich people. But they're yeah. not, like, that profitable. Yeah. Is that what the way it's going to head? Well, yeah, I think I think in general, I think sports teams in general. I mean, even if we look here as well in the AFL, we have, you know, it's huge here, right? right. Like we'll sell their grandfather's a hundred thousand. Yeah, but I think I don't think we're just going to get as many billionaires buying into an LCS team than we are going to get a traditional sporting. Yeah, team. Yeah, well, right now, but again, as maybe. Now. But that's the hope, Curtis. That's the hope. Right? That's what I'm saying. That's really what the business model is, and we need to accept that. So, so what we're, what you're saying, Nathan, is that we're in denial about it being an actual business. And we need, we need to kind of accept that it's not really an actual business and that it is more of like a play thing. That's right. Yeah. It's the denial of that, ex- that, that existence. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've obviously got to try and sort of make money, but it's like, I mean, is it even worth trying? Because it's just ridiculously Okay, let's, let's, let's even get more specific. Let's, so people, people are confused, right? Let's, let's talk about sponsorship again. Let's just say you're a, you can't just have unlimited sponsors. You can only have a so a certain amount of sponsors before your, your jersey turns into a bloody sticker farm, you know? Yeah, like, you can right. only have, like... Well, then it devalues all yeah, the Yeah, it devalues, because there's only, what, like, two, uh, t- one or two major sponsors. You can't have, like, more than... Yeah. Well, you worked in this, thing. What was the... How to work? Well, right, actually have a, a restriction for... I think they actually brought in, for us anyway... Right. How many you could possibly have, like, in terms of spots. Like, one there, one on the shoulder, one on the left shoulder... One on chest, one on the... It's like four. There's like, like four. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so there's actually not many. So let's yeah. just say... Let's push it and let's just say you could have five mm. really good quality sponsors, right? Now, you can have like... We know how long it even takes to get one of those good ones. Mm. You know, whether it's, you know, over an XL with BT, whether it's like a big Mercedes one for G2. But those big ones like G2 and stuff, it makes sense for them to like get a good sponsorship deal because they have mass eyeballs from going to Worlds and all the international events every single time, right? But um, let's say let's just get five of them. And say each one of them is worth, um, you know, f- let's say each one of them is worth $500,000, okay? So we have five $500,000 sponsors. In the, uh, which is insane if that was the case, right? Which is, which is we're talking fairy tale land here. Plus, if that was the case, and you were making two point five, right? That'd be right, two point five million dollars of sponsorship a year and part of your revenue. Yeah. Think about the costs of running an, a competitive LEC or LCS team, mm, especially with some of the salaries you hear and stuff, and the buyouts and. So, th- just think about that you're not going to be able to be competitive, remotely competitive, even if you have that. Even if you have five $500,000 sponsors, five of them, mm. you're only making $2.5 million a year. It's like, what, two players, two good players. Yeah. All right, well, how about you double it? Let's say it's a million each one, five million. Five million. You could barely cover 
You could be, okay, you could probably build a roster for that. Solid roster. Yeah. We're not even talking all the other expenses. A shit. T- you got to get content creators to actually deliver on these sponsorships. These sponsorships require content. Yeah, that's content one thing. And then, yeah, then there's a, you don't just get the money. You don't just get the money. It. It's not like just a break. You got to make sp- content. Yeah. So this is huge. You got, yeah. Sometimes you got to hire production companies, yeah. right? Or make your own production company like Liquid. They like did their own little thing, right? Mm. Then you got to have housing, apartments, office spaces. Yeah, and some of those office spaces are ridiculous. It's here in the hundred these facilities. Boot camps. Yeah. We're talking flights ma- and massive, massive expenses. Stuff. Yeah, it would be to run a, a bottom tier, t- like a really budget team, would probably be at least two, three million, with and that's and that's a budget team. Budget, budget. That's like getting the worst players. Yeah, dude, you'd be pushing him to do it for two million, dude. Honestly. Yeah. Because about the amount of coaching staff, yeah. and you would have academy. Yeah, that's true as well. Academy. You got to have about. academy as well. Yeah. So you got to have. Think about okay. Let's think about what some of the roster, the the salaries you're seeing in an amateur, and academy. Hmm. I would say ballpark figure there. Most amateur players, oh no, sorry, not amateur, academy. academy yeah. In NA, I'm making six figures. Really? Yes. Are you sure about That's that? That's what I've been told. Okay. All right. Between, I'm gonna. Uh, this is what I've been told. The min isn't the minimum is like seventy. Or it's between like eighty. Oh yeah, around seventy. Between seventy and one hundred twenty. Yeah. Majority. I was saying that ballparks. The majority of them are seen between ninety to one hundred mm. US. Mm. Hundred thousand mm. US. Mm. Right. Um. That's just the players. Again, you have another five players, which is another $500,000 essentially US, not including all the coaching staff, not including another housing apartments, plus the main roster. Plus, the, the expenses are unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, who's to say, you know, a, a brand, like we said, COVID, downturn, we're cutting, we're cutting some of these budgets here. Quickly, snowball effect. A few, a few pull out. You know, we can't afford these players now. We've got to downscale, go to a, a less players. There's going to be so many of these players getting the, the, their value just gone, devaluing. So what's going to happen? You're going to have, we're saying, this player over here is worth $2 million. This player can't even, they can't even afford like a $200,000 <laughs> contract. Firm. What's going to happen? Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Mm. So this is what I'm confused about, Nathan. Is like, what's going to happen in the long term? Well, again, the long term, the pos- the thing that everyone's hoping to happen is that these become billion dollar, and then they will make all the money and selling that off. And then we have we have to say that the the the, the this is the other flawed thing about sponsorship is that the, the LCS is competing yeah, against the teams. Everyone's fighting for the same thing. Yeah. Think about that. The, so the the LCS itself has to compete. They they're trying to get sponsors for the league. But they're competing for the same sponsors versus the teams. So every team and the league itself is competing for the sponsorships. How ridiculous is that? And then that's that's a whole another like ten teams. Woo! I mean, there's definitely like a lot. Of, the marketing's huge industry at the end of the day. Massive like advertising, right? Okay. Now, let's actually go back now. But again, you're joining, signing up with teams with, with fifteen hundred no views on their YouTube channel. You talk about 1,500 views. Yeah. No views. You know? Or like 50,000 views. Think about Cloud9, the biggest. Mm. 50,000. Mm. I get more than that. Mm. I'm an independent YouTuber. Mm. I put up... Most of my videos are sitting around between 30 to 60, 70. This is, and this is my point. This is at the end of the day. You've got an org, Cloud9, spending upwards... You know, we're talking tens of millions of dollars 
having the same amount of people who are genuine fans as me. Mm. A guy sitting in my bedroom making YouTube content by myself, editing everything by myself in my little bedroom here in Australia. Mm. That's what I, was, I always love. Like, Tyler One is more profitable than like every esports team. Content cre- individual content yeah, creators yeah. are more like just have more fans, mm. which is more genuine people who follow them. Like right now, Broken by Concept, I would guarantee you, Broken by Concept podcast has more fans than like Dignitas or some shit. Yeah, I would say as much as we can toot our own horn, cares, man. Yeah, like I'm being dead serious. Yeah, well, I mean, we get more eyeballs on our views, our videos than uh, than Immortals players views. That yeah, it is interesting. If you're a hardcore fan of your team, mm. you're going to watch the player who's the, who's on the team in Immortals, right? Aren't you? You're going to go. You're going to take the time to actually understand who the players on your team. There's only five of them. So there's not many. Not many of them. And how many people watch those? Oh, there's about 300 views on each videos. Yeah. Nathan, people's, there's more people watch our two-hour-long podcast mm-hmm. than actually getting to know their players that are in their main roster. That's scary. Again, given that these budgets are two million. Given given everything and behind them, given how much these players are getting paid, yeah. given how much is is in that industry, that is a bubble in a half right there. It's definitely. I mean, you can't. I don't think you can deny it. But again, like the hope is, is that these become a hundred million dollars. Again, the investors make the money. What I'm scared of, Nathan... But the industry doesn't sustain. It's not you know sustain. what I mean? No, because what's going to happen it's when the sponsorships explode. get devalued? Mm. Once the actual brands realize how little value they are getting, the value of the brand space is halved, courted, mm. instantly. Mm. What happens then? Everyone's salary drops, by gets courted. Every, all the costs, production, everything. Downscale, downscale, downscale. That damages the reputation, the repu- yeah, the reputability, and the actual integrity of the sport itself. And then there's going to be a rebuild period. So this is my timeline. We're in a big bubble. Boom, boom, boom. Money. Th- million dollar salaries. Huge sponsorships. Fancy, fancy. Now, oh, wow. There's actually not much here. You know, I'm, I'm a sponsor. I'm, 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 a, I'm a company here. I'm, I'm paying $500,000 for this sponsor. What am I getting? Think about it. I could put this $500,000 into a so many other areas. Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Instagram influencers, individual content creators, a traditional sport team. There are so many areas to, to put it, right? Okay. Boom. Wait, I realized. Wait, this $500,000, this is, I'm, what am I getting for this? I'm not getting much. You know what? I'll give you 100000 And then these, are, these, these companies are desperate for money. Right, and they just have to take. Like, it. I will take. We'll take choice. that. Yeah, devalues the. They're gonna have to take it eventually, right? Yeah. So, boom, they see one brand mm. get like a hundred thousand dollars sponsorship. Mm. What does that mean? Snowball effect. Every sponsorship deal, they realize eventually what it is for what it actually is. They lose all the money. Revenues are courted. Now, what's going to happen? The industry will deflate. It will pop. The bubble will pop. It will burst. Then. Um, there's going to be a very down, a very like massive down period where like everyone's like, fuck you, LCS, riot sucks. The players will be angry. Players, yeah, players will be fuming. All the, uh, staff are going to be fired. Heaps of coaching staff. The amateur team scene is going to get hurt. The academy team is going to get hurt. Like there's going to be a lot of tears. Um, and then it's going to be a slow rebuild. 
the the proper way because mm. this is what should have happened mm. what should have happened is that this whole thing got blown out of proportion because of all the hype because of all the hype this is the next sport this is the future of sport look at all the views i mean at the end of the day the the lcs the world championship you can't look at the world championship numbers there is something there something there but definitely. it's just not done correctly right now i mean i mean again it's like it's like, i think what is it get more views than the Super Bowl and shit. Super Bowl and stuff like that. But remember, we're, we're taking into account China. Just China. Just remove China yeah. from the whole thing, right? Yeah. And only look at the eyeballs for your area. Because yeah. think but of but a marketing again, we're budget. Very, we're very focused on LCS and we no, don't know nothing it, about the Chinese. No, but a marketing budget for a North American company, mm. they don't care about Chinese eyeballs. No. They only care about American eyeballs because that's who they're selling to, their product or their service. Mm. Right? An Australian or, a, or even an Asian, a Chinese company, they don't care about... North American or European eyeballs. They only care about Chinese eyeballs. That's the, who they. That's their their customers. The customers are from China, not from America. Um, and what should have happened at the very beginning is that okay, guys, this is so new. We don't really know what territory we're going into. Yes, we can put a little bit of investment up front to grow it or to get it started. But let's manage our expectations here. We want to grow this healthily, and we want to we want to do this in a very sustainable way. Let's make sure that we'll give you a few years to get up and running. But if we're not making money, that's it. We've got to pull this back straight away. First few years, this should happen. And you know why I reckon this all happened, Nathan? It's because League itself got big. Yeah, League is big. League is well, big. Well, again, the audience is there. But we, we actually know ourselves. A lot of people don't actually watch esports. Dude, so many people don't give a shit about esports, yeah. dude. Even I don't even watch that many games. Mm. I'm, I'd much rather watch the high-elo solo queue players and competitive play. I watch the odd G2 game or whatever it is because I think those teams are fun to watch, you mm. know, because like, they actually have history. Mm. G2, TSM. It's like rivalries and stuff. Rival- I, I don't mind those, but it's like occasionally. But like, I'd much rather watch like Mango, Fish, Fizz and Korean solo queue, mm. you know, or like the best Yasuo, PC Zhang. And- That's cool. Yeah. You know, that's what we all play League for, dude. We don't play competitive. A lot of us don't even really want to go to high level. Well, again, there's the, in terms of the incentive as well to watch it, it's like, uh, I remember a lot of the us going, like if I think about me growing up, right, the, it was more, it wasn't so much the game football, I didn't even really know the players, it was the experience going there. It's like we're going out to see the footy, right? And, yeah, the experience itself. And if I was to think about how much my family's spent on us going to AFL games over the years, it, you know, the whole experience, you know, getting there, everything, it's probably, and the merchandise, it's probably upwards of five grand. Mm. To maybe ten thousand, we actually had a membership for a couple of years. That's our contribution to the to the club to the club to the ecosystem. Where's the, fa- the contribution here? <laughs> yeah, you know, there's no memberships. No, there's no there's no fan experience. Nothing. The 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 money has to come from the cu- customer. It can't come from sponsorship. No, you can't have the. You main- can't have a good, beautiful business, a reliable business based on sponsorship. End of story. Bloody hell, dude. So, but uh, but apparently all these all these organisations that they're, 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 again they're in it. I mean, maybe they know something we don't, but they think that they're going to be able to. Their spot's so valuable that in five ten years they're going to be able to sell it for ten x and then they make money. Look, if we're going to go a full roast here, dude, I can somewhat un- I can somewhat understand the say a a brand wanting to be associated with a a UFC fighter or a an athlete of a tennis or AFL, whatever, because they're real professionals. Mm, that's true as well. The actual, what you're endorsing, mm. we've seen this. And what the other reason why I think brands are getting scammed, 
So look at what we've told, said this many a times. The players that are representing the brands mm. a lot of the time are just mm. toxic. Mm. It's like not re- they're not going to represent the brand. We've literally heard pro players say, I, I don't give a fuck about my fans. Mm. Think about that. Mm. You literally have players that just couldn't give a shit, dude. Yeah. Compare that with like, you know, other sports. They love their, they have to love their fans because that's their livelihood. Yeah, that's how they make money. But again, you can get a, everyone, the whole narrative for the players is money just comes out of thin air. Yeah, and, it, pop- and it does. It does right now. Yeah, that for players, you know, but that's what you're told. Come here, we'll give you this money. No questions asked. No one, none of the players are, so where's this money coming from? No. Like, and this is the thing. If we, let's say if we're a coach for a team, this is what the we first said. thing we're asking is like, where's my money coming from? Where's it coming oh, from? it's just venture capital. Great. You know? if, you're, if, if, all my, if my salary is getting funded through venture capital, I do not feel safe. Or sponsorship. Or sponsorship. Like, yeah. get me, dude, get me out. I'm terrified. You think that's a bit... And, and, and think about that, dude. We would not want to work for a team unless it's long-term. Because that's how you build something, right? Mm. You don't build something overnight. Mm. You're going you're to have to be at an org developing your system, developing your coaching philosophy, building and playing with a specific roster for years. We're talking at minimum three, four, five years, right? Mm. You don't even know it's going to exist in three years. How do you know you're just not going to get removed instantly? It's so funny as well, actually. I was watching um, the TSM Legends. Mm. Um, and it's funny how everyone's in this mindset. It's a one-year timeline for everyone. Yep. Bjorkson literally said like, oh, like, I think we're going to be like a really good team this year. Uh, like Bjergsen probably is long-term focused. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, he's big that. with tears, but it's because that's the mindset. Because uh, we have a new roster next year, so this year we're going to be great. But next year is another year. New players. <laughs> you know? Like, that's the default mindset. We're in a, a one-year timeline. Shocking, All dude. the time in esports. So sad. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, there's a lot here. I mean, we probably just scraped scrape the surface. And I think... There's, there's something, again, I would love I'd love for someone to come on the show that it tells us that esports, economics makes perfect sense. We're all wrong. These teams will be worth $500 million in five I wanna years. I want to hear that. I would love to. I want to hear that. Me too. I want to hear the specifics of why that's I just want to hear we're wrong because, I mean, we've been on, on the side. We've been on both sides. We've been on the side now of content creation yeah. and like actually really giving value to the community and what that can lead to. Now we've been on the side of esports. We are so disconnected from your fans, if you even have any. Mm-hmm. Because the players don't even give a shit mm. about the fans and there's no incentive for the players to even give a shit about the fans mm. because they got to focus on playing. Mm. There is nothing there. There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing. So what I'm saying is that it's not that esports can't work. It's that the way they're doing it now is not the way it's going to work. And there's going to have to be way more creative solutions. New business models, new innovative ways to integrate a brand. And, and I don't think resource necessarily needs to be in a stadium every week. No. I think that it's right now it's fine to just be all Definitely. online, but you need, you need, we need to figure that one out. And then figure out what's it going to look like? How, how are these teams, there has to be new, like new, yeah, new, I guess, solutions to these problems. These are, unique, these are not unsolvable problems, but it is unsolvable if you're putting in so much money. Cause like we know the pressure of a business, if you're, $2 million in the hole, $3 million in the hole, $4 million, five, $10 million in the hole. How do you get out of that? Yeah, you, yeah, you, you, you don't. You don't get out of it. You don't you, get out of it. You sell the team for $200 million and then give them the debt. You know what I mean? That's the, what you do. And I'm, you know, I, you know what? 
I care about esports in the sense that I think it could have been a really beautiful thing, a pure thing. And this is going to cause so much damage. Irreparable. Mm. Some of it is going to be irreparable. Mm. And look, we might be too early. We might be five years too early right now. We, we, right now, this might not have. We might not see the repercussions of what we're saying on this podcast right now for three, four, five, six, seven years. We don't know. Like Michael Burry in the, in the big short. He had to sit on that for years and actually lose money. Mm. And, then he re- and then it actually came true. So we'll see what happens, I guess. Interesting uh, times ahead, Curtis. Uh, before uh, before we get into the questions and stuff, I actually wanted to talk about t- the TSM Legends. Okay. While we're on the esports train. Okay. Now, so this is the, the episode for the first week, right? It was like released a couple of days ago. I love psychoanalyzing, right? Yeah. We love psychoanalyzing. Is it psychoanalyzing or is it judging, Curtis? I don't know. I don't like to think of myself as someone who judges. But again, again, it's like thinking about like this is this is this current state of the esports industry. So let's let's look at TSM, right? So TSM, the most, one of the most prestigious. They have the say? most wins, I think, of any LCS team. Yeah, they do. They're yeah. you know massive brands. Yeah. Every you think of NALCS, you think of like TSM. You think of C9. You think of Liquid. Yeah. So they're up there. Yeah. Got big names there. You got some Hooney in there. Mm. Sword Art. Mm. Bjergsen as a coach, mm. Lost, mm. Speaker, you got Power of Evil, you got mm. big names in there. A lot of money being thrown around. A lot of coaching staff. We know some of them as well. Jack, pretty well. A lot of investment. A lot of money's on the line here. And they're trying to win, right? They're trying to win titles. Look at TSM Embedded. Uh, <laughs> they call it TSM Embedded. UFC Embedded. <laughs> I literally nearly called it TSM Embedded. Um, TSM Legends. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. And there's a... there's a. Let's give a... Before we get into this specific, we've got to give a bit of background information here. Okay. In Direwolves, across our time, we've had a few... You know, we've had our own fair share of conflicts, as, as me as a head coach. Between and you, you and well. the players? Between, but, but between <laughs> me and the players specifically, right? I've yeah. learned the hard way. Yeah. That's what you got to do in solo. You've got to fail. You've got to try right. fail. Yeah. I've had my fair... Even though I won and had a lot of success, I had a lot of failures internally as a head coach. I had to learn the hard way, right? I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And what I realized was a season of a, comp- like a competitive season from start to finish is an absolute marathon. Mm. Now... There is one of the most scary things about living in, a, in an office or a gaming house and like just comp- you're scrim all the time. You're around each other all the time. And you're having these painful experiences every single day. Lose scrim, lose scrim, win scrim, lose scrim, lose, week on the, lose a game on the LCS, come back, high pressure, high intensity, high stakes, pressure from the fans. You know, what actually happens is that I believe that in order to have long-term success and especially across the course of a split, you need to be able to tell people as it is, how you feel, what's bugging you, get it off your chest, get into the details, move forward. But what happens, and this is the way I guess league culture is, and we know this, is a lot of the people who play league are at home, in their bedroom, not really associating with many people, probably very introverted, and afraid of conflict, right? They're, they're very afraid of, afraid of conflict. And when you're in this, you try to go to the environment, you try to make friends, right? You try to be friends with your teammate. You don't want to like cause trouble. So if you're frustrated, 
what I've experienced, and I've said this has happened every single year I've been a head coach. Does, doesn't matter what. The camera just die. That's right. Right, our camera died. What were you saying, Curtis? Sorry. And it doesn't matter what, you know, who the players were, what Ilo were, how good they were, where they're from. doesn't matter what it was. We had imports. We had Korean imports. You know, it doesn't matter. What happens, the way they express their frustrations is through memes and, and, and very passive-aggressive jokes. So, for example, instead of saying to someone, look, Nathan, you say you're my jungler. Say, look, Nathan, I just... I'm really frustrated with your champion pool right now. It feels like you only can play like Kane and Rek'Sai, whatever it is. Um, instead of just having a conversation, so this is how I feel. What is your champion pool? Are you working on your champion pool? What do you need me to help? Can I help you with that? What champs do you, you know, have? Getting to that discussion. It's like the way it will be said is, you know, there'll be a conversation and then I'll be saying, ha I'll be like, God, this game would be so much easier if you champ pool, you know? It's yeah, like, it's like a joke. Oh, Unlucky, my, my jungle can only play two champs. <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. in a really funny, like they'll yeah. just laugh. Yeah. Or, oh, if, if only, we, if, oh, lucky we have a cane in this game. It'll be like just passive aggressive, mm. just like bullshit. Mm. And because no one wants to like, and it actually hurts them in the moment, but their way of dealing with that is pass it off. Pass more passive aggression. And then you say something, Curtis, if only my mid laner didn't die to level three ganks every time, or whatever it is, or just say laugh or just, just blame each other. And then they'll go to the coach. Yeah, hopefully this time we can win a draft, guys. Like it's a very passive aggressive bullshit, and that it's just a never ending circle. And there's a lack of leadership in esports. Any coach, we don't see real coaches. They don't call this out. Mm. No one calls it out. Well, they're part of it. They're part, and they they That's encourage we it. We were part of and, it. And, and what happens? They, and then whenever if if you were to come in, if I were to come in and say this is just bullshit, guys, what are we doing? Mm. So Curtis. You know, now we're just trying to have fun, relax. You know, like they'll just say, like, pretend it's nothing. Mm. It's very bad because mm. that's not how you build meaningful relationships. That's not how you actually have high quality discussion. That's not how you get into the details. That's not how you make new, like, create new ground. That's not how you innovate. You got to find the source of the problem as soon as it, as it is, it happens. Get into it. Boom. Now, go on to TSM Legends. There's a scene uh, where there looks like. Maybe it's pre-game, pre-one of their games, and they're like, or maybe after one of the games, I can't remember. And they're just sitting around the office in the gaming chairs. And then, like, speaker makes a joke about, like, hopefully we just win draft this time. And then Bjergsen says, ah, if only my mid laner could play more than two champs, or... I think it was the more general things like uh, with your champ pools it's like two yeah. hours it's like uh, yeah. is this like and, and it comes off as joking yeah and in the moment you don't even because you're in it yeah you're in when you're in that environment mm. you don't even realize it's happening mm. you're just in the shit like mm. you're just like oh yeah that's just the way it is you're usually not thinking about it mm. but this is well, the job uh, of a head coach a real cultural architect mm. that's what a cultural architect does they pick up on these little things the way they're saying it the tone their body language and look at even the way they are talking in their post-game reviews it's shocking mm. that one of them's like the coach is looking down like touching his arm like this like the coach is looking the other way like up in the air they say very genuine things yeah i think it was like that uh, early game our early game just needs some work here whatever that whatever that There's means something about stable uh, early was early lane phase wasn't stable yeah our early lane just wasn't stable whatever that means just general bullshit low quality discussion um you know, funny jokes, masters, personal jabs. This is week one, and this is the honeymoon phase. Mm. This honeymoon phase will last about two or three weeks. Boom, they'll get into the shit week four, and then that's where things get messy. 
rinse, repeat. And that's when those jokes come back, but then they're now they're... Yep. And it turns into a conflict session in week six, week seven. Yeah, yeah. Everyone sits around a little table, yeah. says, I hate you, this is why. <laughs> and then, oh, look, we just lost. I've lost all my confidence. Power of Evil has lost all his confidence. Sorry, guys. TSM are now announcing Niski as their mid laner. <laughs> no, no. That happens after a year, Curtis. Yeah. That's the year timeline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so they, they stick it out. They, they start thinking about the roster And they moves. try and Band-Aid solution. Band-Aid solution. Yeah. Band-Aid. Because they've left it too late, right? Mm. You, they mm. haven't addressed it at the core issue in week one, week two. Mm. Band-Aid, Band-Aid, Band-Aid. And that's what happens every TSM. They always say it, it just crumbled at the end. That's why we just lost it at Worlds. We lost the plot at Worlds. Because there's no stability. There's no core. And then new, new year, new mid laner. New team. Yep, new team. And this is why I'm terrified of esports. Mm. This is one of the biggest, most prestigious teams in North America. It's interesting. I mean, remember, they're putting this out. And this is out to public. You, anyone yeah. can look at this. Yeah. But that's just the standard. No one, no one talks about this, though. No one talks about it. It was like, oh, it's just standard. Like, like no, everyone's like, oh, they're good at the Nathan, game. You know why no one talks about it? Because they haven't experienced it. Mm. We, we, we're, I mean, my situation as a head coach coming like being pulled out of it like i've experienced it mm. and rather than being like a coach that wants to be a head coach and, and like because if i wanted to be a head coach in like an alcs i wouldn't be saying all these negatives because i wouldn't get a team like this would mm. i because i'm pissing off everyone mm. right now like anyone from tsm watches this they think i'm a dick mm. right or some like other coach from like eu at least they're being like oh this guy what does he know he doesn't know anything he hasn't he's on he's been oh some oh trash coach whatever mm. it is like mm. no one's gonna be like you know what? This guy actually has a good, pretty good point. I actually want want to come on board with him, and like, no one's gonna say that. Everyone's so, like, everyone will be this defense, you know, and just say it's bullshit. Like, if you're in it, you're in it, and you're not. You're gonna deny it. And you know the other terrifying thing: this, the only person that can bring that up is someone that is not scared to lose their job. Mm. Bjergsen is probably the only person in that team that could change that environment. It won't be the assistant coach because the assistant coach, he's on, he's on happy chappy mode. He doesn't want to piss off Bjergsen mm. or Kays mm. or any of the players. Mm. What does he know? He's got Sword Art on his team. He's got Huni. He's got mm. Power of Evil. Big names. You can't tell Speaker to stop memeing because the Speaker's going to turn around and say, oh, it's just a joke, man. Ha, ha, ha. And then, then, then the assistant coach would be like, no, but you know this is not what we stand for here. And then they'll just ignore him. Then he'll be on the side, and then he'll lose. He won't be able to build the relationship then, with the then, players. And then the player goes to the, the coach other, saying, like, or other players, and then they're like, okay, well, we don't really like this guy. And then they start they start mingling, forming groups, groups. and alliances. And then he's there, and then, then he's, he's gone, out. Just kicked. Or they'll even talk to other players saying, oh yeah, complains about my coach. And yeah. Then, and then he won't get picked up by other teams. They're scared. These yeah. coaches are scared. Absolutely. Bjergsen's the only one that would be able to change that, and he's in the shit, so he can't. Hmm. And it's just a never-ending cycle, dude. Year in, year out. We're like, what? Esports been around for like, what, 10 years or something like that now? I'd say we really started in season three. So like, I'd say proper LCS has been around for like six, seven years. You know, but I don't... There's very little trajectory, dude, in terms of professionalism. Mm -hmm. Like, think about like what you see now comparatively. It's it's, it's season five. Not much difference, dude. Well, again, like, go watch... The UFC Embedded's, okay? And watch how professional the athletes are. Now, oh, it's insane, dude. You want to get behind that as a brand. It's a beautiful product, it's a beautiful the UFC. Product. These are true professionals. True athletes. You, you can compare, like, all you literally have to do... We're not talking about just because physical. It's the sheer discipline. Yeah. It's the way they conduct themselves. Mm. It's, the, it's the taking responsibility, facing adversity, all this stuff. 
just watch watch some UFC content. Again, the UFC embedded series. If you don't you don't watch UFCs of the last week, they have like two million views each. Watch how those athletes act, and then look at how, to maybe your favorite pro player, how they talk. Look at how Connor spoke in the post fight interview. Mm. How classy mm. he is. You know, and, and with that's and, that, this, and this is this also actually this ties into the economics, the business of esports. Because I mean, I, I'd say even as fans, like a lot of you guys will probably not actually fully respect players. Obviously, you have the, you have the skill level, right? You know, players like Doubles, yeah. you obviously can respect these. They have huge legacies, right? But all the players like around them and stuff, it's actually hard to sort of see. You know, like what's going on there? Is it somewhere? Is that something someone I want to be? Yeah, dude. I don't know. Yeah, we're in the shit. Honestly, that's what's happening right now. And again, as you said, it, it's hard to see when you're in it. Like that's that's that was what that's us. That we were in it, and we we're made so it. many. Mistakes. And I realized until way later, I didn't realize we all pieced it together. Mm. We and Nathan had to come up. We had this conversation. You know, we realized that East. I mean, the business model sucks. Esports is not ready. Yeah, I would say it's not ready. It's right not ready now. Yeah. right now. It needs way more years. It's not ready to take things. Well, I want the bubble to burst first, yeah. and then I'll be reconsider. You know. Yeah. And then the professionalism just getting exposed. Lack mm. of professionalism getting mm. exposed. Mm. You know, and then I can be a part of that rebuild. You know, I'd be a part of that rebuild. Mm. Come in, not get paid much money, but just be a part of it as like a real project mm. where I get listened to. Then I could build something cool. You know, but anyway. So over that sheds a little light. Look, I would love to hear back in the comments. Here. I'm so fascinated to hear what Absolutely. people say. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. People don't haven't really heard this side of it. Mm. Um, so yeah, love to hear back from you guys. And if you want to hear more about this sort of stuff, we, we could talk about this for ages. There's so many areas yeah. of esports that yeah. we can expose. Yeah. Um, but we just don't really talk much about esports. No, we try not. To, we try to avoid it as much as possible. Well, this is for the reason because we. Yeah, we didn't want to come across as just like negative names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we need we need to or, or seem like just crazy people, like yeah. shunned. Yeah, like these guys are just crazy. Yeah, dude. don't listen to these guys. What do they know? Yeah, from Os. Yeah, okay. All right, so we'll jump into questions. We're gonna have to do a little break pause while I get the questions All up. Right. So we'll be back in a jiffy. All righty then, we are back for Nathan's mailbag, the segment where we help. <laughs> People solve people's problems, don't we, Curtis? Attempt. We attempt. We try to. We try to. Yeah, I wouldn't say we just solve people's problems. Nah. <laughs> we have a crack. <laughs> we have a crack. <laughs> so this one we're going to have a crack from is from Joe. The title of the email is called Loser's Q. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hey, Nathan and Curtis. Joe here. I love the podcast and the work you do. Been listening since episode one. I'm a Zoe main on the OC server server from Canberra and have had the opportunity once to play against against Nathan's famous Braum support before. <laughs> what a privilege, Joe. What a privilege. <laughs> Anyways, today I wanted to ask about Loser's Q and whether you think it's all just a conspiracy or really exists. I've been watching a lot of Gross Score recently and he uses a website called losersq.gg which supposedly tracks your previous teams to determine whether you are in loser's queue. I've also seen a video which proposes that losing more keeps players interested more in the game, supporting the theory of loser's queue. I was wondering whether you think loser's queue really exists or if it's a conspiracy made up by individuals to deflect responsibility from themselves. Personally, I believe in the latter, but I found this topic to be an interesting topic as it gains much attention throughout the streaming and LOL community. Thanks again, Joey. 
That's so interesting. It's a conspiracy theory, apparently. apparently interesting. Appara- I didn't even know that. Apparently, the game puts you in loser's queue. So then, um, Riot just do it intentionally. It's like this player's winning too much. So he has to lose to keep him hooked on the game. No, I thought it was the other way around. I thought, because I heard something somewhere where if you had l- lose a lot of games, you actually do go into loser's queue in a way. Like if you lose games, not yeah. Lose games. So say 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 like it recognizes that you're like losing a lot. Mm. I think it and it, or like you're a, it thinks you're a troll. It will like kind of put you in worse quality games. So how, how does it determine worse quality? So you'll be with a bunch of other people that are just yeah, a bunch of other people that are losing a lot in a way. So how, so you never get out of it. You're stuck in there. Well, that's what the system I think is trying to punish you for being a troll and get you out of there faster in a way. Maybe. Okay, I guess maybe sort of makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I saw that somewhere. I don't know if that's true or not. I just got to laugh at this, Curtis. I, I really do. I mean, regardless if that's the case, if you haven't been trolling, I don't think it's a problem. I mean, if you've been... I don't think... Okay, first of all, loser's queue, I'm assuming what it, what, what it actually <clears throat> means is... You get queued up with people that are on your team that have like really bad negative win rates and lose a lot more than they win and they're on the decline. Mm. So they want to kind of get them out of there quickly. Okay. But at some point, where does that leave you? Like, what happens? Do you can't you, you can't just keep losing because like <laughs> like eventually it gets iron and then <laughs> like what happens then? But then the opponents would be so you know a very low level and that you would just win anyway. So that's why I don't get, you know? Because you'll be above your... You, that wouldn't be your skill Yeah, level. like it wouldn't make sense Because at me. the end of the day, our philosophy yeah. is your skill level is the exact determination yeah, of your rank. that's right. At the end of the day, you, let's say you randomly go on an account and then for some reason, like your, your, your internet disconnects. Look, let, let, me, let me say something. I'm going to put this out there. Okay. I've boosted in the past. You've boosted in the past. That's Are right. you serious, Curtis? I didn't even know that. You didn't know this. Oh, yeah. I think you did a little bit. Yeah. I did some pretty serious boosting. How? When? What year? Let's just refer. What year is this, Curtis? This was when I was in university. That's disgraceful, Curtis. Yeah. Continue on. So I did some. Yeah, this was before I like you know was the coach Curtis or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I went on an account. You know, like let's just say this: I've been on accounts, a range of different accounts, and I would guarantee that people would get two diamond one at the time. I didn't really want to boost above Diamond 1. Yeah. So I'd get from people from Gold to Diamond 1, whatever it was, and that was my service. It didn't matter how bad the MMR was. So I don't know, like, it was like it was always... You could just get out by playing well. And, you know, like, from for example, for me, like, Bronze to Gold, 24 games in a row win, stuff like that. Like, does it, like what I'm getting at here is that, like, regardless of whether or not your MMR is bad or you're in a loser's queue. I think that if you are good enough, you're just going to win, dude. Like, let's just say it does exist. Well, not even if you're good enough, if you're improving. Oh, no, let's just say it does exist okay. for the sake of this argument. Okay. Let's just say there's a thing where, like, yeah. it, it, it puts you in this MMR weird bracket thing that, like, it, it, it pairs you with other people on your team that tend to lose a lot of games and be reported. Um, I firmly believe that if you keep losing, keep losing, keep losing, at some point you'll be in such a low level of play that is lower than your standard that you'll be able to just recover. You might temporarily go down a few divisions, but you'll be able to recover eventually. 
Because think about it. You're playing with subpar players. The enemy also has to be subpar players at some point, even if they're better than the enemy. But if you're so far above, then you can just prove the system that you don't deserve to be there and you keep winning. So I don't really believe it exists, but if it were to exist, um, I don't think it's a big problem. Maybe in the short term, yes, but not in the long term. Yeah, I mean, if you but think... I, if I would say 98% of the people that use the term losers queue are purely... Defo- just, yeah, it's absolutely. just like a funny way of saying yeah. that their team sucks. Isn't yeah. that what they say? Yeah. That's why they say it. Mm. It's like, it's a re- they think it's funny. It's a funny mm. way to say their team sucks. Yeah. Or, or again, they're in those games where they're just oh, actually unwinnable. You know, And you get those games as part of the experience. Part of the experience. So I think it's absolute ridiculous that there's a website call it. It sickens me. Well, this is the problem with the streaming culture. That the as well. streaming culture pushes this. Yeah, it just yeah. that just pisses me this off. This is why the so streamers much. are just—it's just a meme, dude. It's just entertainment. You shouldn't view it as like yeah, it's entertainment. But even if it's entertainment, it's sending a message. Yeah, it's still regardless. sending a message, yeah, and, and, and it's thing. making people tilt. And as we know, for people that write into the show, they get upset in real life, and then they yeah it has, a, neg- their, it has their, a negative effect on negative every effects. area of their life. Yeah, that's the scary thing. You know what I mean? It sickens me. It really does. And if this gross score guy does that, like. Zero respect, like zero respect. It's pathetic. It's actually pathetic. Yep. But as per most streamers, dude. God, it just rolls me up, Curtis. Yep. I love to just review that guy's gameplay. You know? No, Nathan, he doesn't actually play to improve, dude. No, no, no. Well, anyone... Okay. You can't review someone's game, but they actually don't play to win. Yeah, but just to just highlight, okay, you are in... It makes perfect sense why you're in the ELO. Nathan, it's not... They're not... They're trying to be funny. It's an entertainer. I I think they're serious. No, I don't think so. I I can't believe it. It's like I genuinely don't think Tyler One's serious, you know? Like, I don't think Tyler One genuinely tries to improve. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Like... Like, yes, he plays and he cares about winning, but he, he doesn't care enough about winning. That he doesn't, it's not like he, he's, on his vo- he's on his stream and he, like, queues up and seriously VOD reviews. Hmm. So, anyone, if you don't do that, end of story. Yeah, that's right. You improve. So, it's correct. like, yeah. you don't, there's, no, there's no getting into the... There's no, there's yeah, no, so then don't push that message then. Yeah, I know. You should say, yeah, I know why I lost, bang. But that's not funny, Nathan. You gotta say it. They gotta be funny. You gotta be entertaining. I mean, surely they could be entertaining other ways, though. But, yeah, I know what you mean. All right, this one here is from Calvin. Hi, Curtis and Nathan. I watched the Ultimate Guide to Season 11 episode, and it was extremely motivating for me to have a video I can rewatch to keep me on track. However, yesterday was my first day playing ranked games there that weren't placements, and despite going three wins, two losses, I was super demoralized. I was trying to do the two sets of three, but I couldn't finish the second set of, the, of three because my brain just felt so drained. That's a good that's thing. Good. That means you're yeah, focusing, that's awesome, dude. That's great. Why would you be upset about that? My goal for the day was to get a minimum of six CS per minute, and I did this for all my games. On the fifth game, I ended on a loss where my entire team, including myself, did horribly. My question is, how do I keep my hopes high despite keeping to my goal and following your sets of three rule? I think, dude, that that's a sign. Listen to your body. That means you just maybe you're not ready to play that many yeah. intense games. Mm. Maybe you're new to it. You're gonna build that tolerance up, dude. Like. Mm. You're probably used to playing nine games or ten games or just like autopilot games. Yeah. Slow it down, relax. Play your maybe you can only do blocks of two for now. Maybe you do two two blocks of two. Maybe you do one block of three and take a really big break and then play another two games. Something like that. That's what I would say, dude. The other thing as well is are you get enough sleep. I mean, then the question is like, okay, diet. That's yeah, diet, diet comes into play. Yeah. Exercising, Exercise. exercising at all, sleeping well. What's your sleep schedule like? Yeah. Because it's interesting, Calvin. What you're doing here now is you're solving... If, you, if this is really... 
you really want to play two sets of three and you feel like you can't do it, what's the problem? Okay, I need more energy. Energy, more energy. How do I get more energy? Which That's where sleep. Eat well, three meals a day, good three meals a day, exercising at least once a day, sleeping eight hours. And you said, how do I keep my hopes high despite being like, dude, we've just started. You played well, how many games? Five games. <laughs> yeah. Don't overthink things, yeah, Galvin, relax, man. man. Just five relax, games in. Dude. You got 995 to go. All good, dude. Well, yeah, we've got 10 months of the season to go, you know? Yep. All right, this one's from Logan. Hello, Nathan and Curtis. As always, as uh, everyone always prefaces, can't thank you enough for putting in on the podcast, been binging it recently, and it has opened up my eyes to the correct mindset to play in ranked in LOL. As such, I have had a very positive outlook on ranked this season and have been seeing just how impact my own gameplay has on the outcome of my of my games. Excuse me. On to my question, which has two parts. First part is for Nathan. Yes. I've been struggling recently to find my identity with Graves. So this is a jungler, obviously, who is my most played jungler this season and last. During preseason and the beginning of season 11, I found that you get outpaced by most other junglers... Most other meta junglers because your farming speed is too slow and your ganks are not potent enough to reliably run all over the map ganking. His real strength lies in the ability to invade and intercept the enemy jungler, but I find this to be an unreliable strength. You can't invade every game, whereas you can out, you can power farm or gank in almost every game. This lack of clear identity makes me not able to enjoy the champions I used to. My question is this. How do you interpret, interpret Graves' champion identity and do you think... This effectiveness is hindered in low elo due to not being a good spam ganker, Nunu, at least Ivan, or nor a power farm in Olaf, Hecarim, Kane. My elo is mid-gold for reference. So, that is still his champion identity, and you need to play to that strength, and some games you're not going to be able to, and unfortunately, that's that's the, the sacrifice. I mean, at the end of the day, Graves, he's not the best ganker. Are you scared about getting ganked by Graves, Curtis? Um, what, do, really. what do you not like about Graves? What's annoying for Graves for you as a mid laner? Um, he's just like, it's just threat, and just damage. Like you can't, I can't. Sometimes it feels like whenever there's a skirmish, like we just lose. Yeah. So you you don't want to walk into him. Yeah, I don't want to walk into him. Like he controls space really well. Yeah, he's that W. And the stuff. way that I view Graves is you're like a sentry turret. Yeah. And sentry turrets are very like shitty and like immobile. Like the sentry turrets, like in games and stuff, they don't just like then if you're out of range of them, they're pretty not threatening. Like, Graves just doesn't want to run into a bunch of CC abilities and stuff, right? No, but it feels like Gale Force really makes him much better. I would though. say so as well. Like, Gale, Gale Force, Force is a big game change of him, yeah. I think. You don't build that every game on him, though. Right. Um, All I see is Gale Force Graves, though. But I would say that... Shield bow sometimes. Yeah, yeah the shield bow sometimes. He, again, he's like a sentry turret, and mm. wherever you are, you're going to create some sort of pressure. So, you want to be... I mean, yeah, I mean, as you said, yeah, his strength is, is, you know, there's level two invades, late invading level one, and some games you can't do it, and again, that's, he does have weaknesses in terms of champ select, I'd say, Um, but if you're competent enough overall in terms of understanding his strengths, understanding when you can't invade and stuff, you still can farm on him, and then you're going to be playing for fights, you're going to be looking to, you know, out skirmish, it's going to come, he's very mechanically, I think he's very hard to play mechanically, to pull off successfully in team fights. I think he's a very yeah, difficult champion. Yeah, I don't think... I think, think Graves would be a hard low elo jungler, Yeah, I it? think he's difficult. Yeah. Because he doesn't have a clear identity. Yeah. I mean, that is an identity, because identity, you need a lot of game knowledge and map awareness to execute it correctly. There's some champions, Nathan, I don't know if you found this for jungle, but for mid lane anyway, they scale with game understanding. Yeah, that's, that's what right. I say. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, um, 
like Twisted Fate, mm. he scales with game understanding. Mm. Oriana scales with game understanding. You know, you can't... And, but there's other champions that you don't need it. And they're effective without game understanding. So I think that Gar- Graves is one of those champions. Not to say you shouldn't play it, but it is a little bit trickier. But like Nathan said, I think... Um, I think, yeah, you, you just have to develop the skill that is needed the most, which is finding... I mean, I don't know much about jungle invade timers, but I would get into the details, like when you can and can't invade. Because what's probably happening is you're trying to overforce his identity and it's not working in some games. It's insta lose you games. Really? Again, the way I interpret this email from him is like, he's actually not seeing enough opportunities. Potentially as well. And okay. he's, just, he's just getting outpaced by enemy jungle. Yeah. So he's not getting... And like his laners are dying. So what I, I mean, I feel like if his laners are dying and he's getting outpaced, that means he's not invading enough. Yeah, you're probably right. Because you got because to, because you're, Graves you're, you're is always the spotting the enemy jungler, in my opinion. Yeah. When I have Graves on my team, they're always spotting the enemy jungler. So ganks should be much harder for them to get off. That's the way you, it's like, the way I see Graves, and this might be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, the way I see Graves winning games is, it's less about you doing things, it's you, it's you denying stopping, things. Yes, yeah, denying stopping what things. the enemy can do. That's right, yeah. Which is again where invades and tracking, yeah. you've got to track. Tracking should be a so little I'll get specific and develop those specific skills. Yeah. So you'd have to ask Nathan about developing those skills though. I don't know yeah. how to go about that. All right, second part of the question for Curtis and Nathan. Curtis, you're now involved in the question okay. time. My second most played this season is Udia, who is my most played champion overall, and I'm extremely comfortable with his identity, and I know my role every game in every team comp. Should I just stick to Udia, or is it worth for me to struggle with a champion that I feel lacks a clear identity? He's a jungler, right? Yeah. What do you think, Nathan? Um, so Graves is first played, Udia's second most played. I'm extremely comfortable with his identity and I know my role in every team comp. Should I just stick to Udi or is it worth for me to struggle with a champion that I feel lacks a clear identity? I mean, there's not many champions that lack a clear identity in League of Legends. No. Or it's like just less clear. It's kind of how I feel with Echo right now, but yeah. It's less clear. Yeah, so... I think you, if you're fine with Udia right now, stick to Udia and climb. The problem, dude, the problem with Udia is like, what do you learn? Yeah, Udia is, I mean, I wasn't Udia. This is the problem with Udia, dude. And why, it's like, you see it now, but like... You don't learn skill shots. You don't... Nathan, Udia was the reason you you kind of got screwed. Yeah, I got, I got my league career was screwed. Like, if you could Udia. go back in time. Yeah. Like, you would probably not do it that no, way. I would, would you? No, I would You wouldn't play Udia? No. Save this guy, dude. Yeah. Because this goes against champ identity, but at the end of the day, the champ just sucks. Mm. His kid's fundamentally outdated. Yeah. I mean, I say that. His kid is fundamentally outdated. In, he literally gets picked in SK. Uh, but it is outdated. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no question about it. Because, like, regardless if he's played now or not. He'll go away. He'll go away. Yeah. The champ sucks. Yeah. Like, you look at a kit like Lilia or, like, mm. any of these, like, Nidalee, and then look at Nudia's kit. End of story. So, look, this is the thing, Nathan. We sound so, like, we sound hypocritical. <laughs> we tell you to love your champion, but don't but, like, play. This is certain champs. Yeah. This is the problem with Lee yeah. and why I said they released too many champions. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a whole other episode we're going to talk about how, why I think Riot actually really messed up with the items. I think we have to make another episode on this. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about it next episode. Because it's just, yeah, it's out of control right now. But, but um, 
And how do we... We got to come up with a, a clean, succinct way of structuring what we are... Uh, I think so right as now. well. Because like... All this, over the place. Yeah, we say that champion identity is important and it is champion mastery. It's so important. Yeah, and enjoying the champion play. And enjoying the champion play, mm. which ticks, ticks both box. And you will get the most success. I'm saying that we'll get... If you played Udi right now, you will have the most success in solo queue for the short term. Yeah. For the next year. Yeah. You'll probably get to diamond. You could get to diamond with Udi or whatever it is, right? But we're talking two years down the track, three years down the track. You're just a worse player. Mm. So it depends what your goal is. I, my advice, it might be different than Nathan's, is question your goal. If you want to be the best overall jungler over a long period of time, then don't play Udia. Maybe have him as a niche situational pick. But if you want the best short-term results and you're just only playing for this next year or you just want to get to Diamond, then play Udia. That's it. Super simple. That's what I would say. Yeah. I don't think Udia equips you with the skills. That if you, you were to go develop. all in, if you've got a more all in and graze, and like, let's say you add like an uh, AP champ, maybe Lilia or Eve, I think would, that would, I'll be pretty, I'll be more happy with that, to be honest, than Udia. Um, yeah, agreed. You know, I mean, Nunu sort of gets memed, but Nunu teaches you how to gank well. Does. Like Nunu, Nunu, you can't, you know, can't, you're not a solo carrier like Eve or something like that. You need your teammates to win the game. Yep. So that's what I would recommend for you, Logan. All right. Next one here. Um, is from, actually, I think we already answered that question. Is from Nathan. And the title of this email is called Managing Tilted Teammates. Heyo, my name is Nathan. Welcome, Nathan, to Nathan's Mailbag. <laughs> and I've been playing League for a while now, but I only started taking it seriously very recently. Over the past month or two, I've been starting to review my gameplay, awesome to hear, and pay more close attention to my mentality. And because of that, I've gone from low bronze to high silver with a win rate of 70%. I always try to be extremely untiltable and positive towards my teammates, complimenting them and praising them as much as I can. However, I've noticed that many of the games I lose are due to my team tilting, shutting down and giving up because of the slightest things since so many low elo players have garbage mentals. Um, is there a way to prevent this from happening or manage these teammates when they start tilting to bring them back into the game? Or are these players just so pr prone to tilt? that I won't be able to stop it from happening no matter what. I mostly play Cassiopeia, so in these situations, I just end up taking all the teammates' resources since I'm pretty confident that I, I can carry late game in most cases. But I'm not sure if that is the right way to go about it or if taking my tilted teammates' resources will be a viable strategy as I get into higher ranks. I also worry that doing this tilts my teammates even harder when my goal should instead be to minimize how tilted they are. Thanks for any help you can offer. So in league, I would say that typing in chat is never going to untilt someone. Like the, the, the form of communication of typing, and it's the same thing on stuff like Twitter and all that sort of stuff, a text conversation, I feel like can never convince someone to change emotion. What do you think? I'm, I agree and disagree at the same time. Okay. There's two things I would say here. The first one. Your job sometimes in a game is to simultaneously do what is best for you, but at the same time, make your teammates' life easier. Now, there are times where you do these actions and it may not have any effect, 
but there are times where you do them and they have little micro and create little micro advantages for, te- for your team. An example would be pinging where the enemy jungle's location is way in advance or to place a deep ward and ping when they show on that ward and ping where what side of the map they're on. And another one would be to um, call way in advance uh, when something is going to happen. The, this object, group on this objective, Wayne, whatever it is. You're just doing things or, or saying things to make your teammates' life easier. Now, the no- other thing I would say is that there is a way of talking. You're not going to ever say ch- anything in chat like, cheer up or come on, it's fine. We can win. Don't worry. We can win. Whatever. I can carry it. Don't worry. Like, it's not, that's never going to change anything. But what I've found to be actually quite useful is being very saying only actionable things. So if you say, for example, give this dragon, hover me topside a minute before the dragon spawns. A lot of the time, a reason people tilt is because they actually don't know what to do. to do next, yeah. So if you say actionable things, mm. then they might not... It's like they won't... They might not listen to you, but it's sort of like saying like, this guy's trying, like, okay, I might as well follow this play because this guy looks well, like... What's you know that? What but doing. it's also... They may not stop them from tilting, but at least like they because when you tilt and you feel because you feel really confused you're like well what do i do the game's just over right in mm. your mind you're like i just don't know what my i genuinely I don't, don't know, know how to, to do. i don't know how to win this game so i'm giving up right yeah. that's what tilt is a lot of the time yeah. but you're literally saying okay if this guy says give dragon push mid hover me topside then I- even if they do it while tilted it's still it's actually preventing them from doing something that's really disastrous yeah which can sometimes stall out the game mm. so that's what i would recommend Give actionable things. Never say something that's not specific. Whether it's like, give this, trade this, hover me here, group mid. You know, just just specifics. That's what I would recommend. Yeah, maybe. I think spot on. I think spot on. Actually, I've been doing that recently in my solo queue games. I've been like really typing and controlling things. and and That's the next level, by the way. That's, what, that's how Calvin used to get rank one. Yeah. It's it's like I like everyone's like people actually follow you. They dude. do if you if you say it in a way that's constructive. Yeah. ages in advance, mm. they actually do. Mm. Like people say that they don't, but they actually do. Mm. In a way, like not every time, but people get surprised. Think All that, right, I think that answers Nathan's question. Yep. Well, I think that's going to be it for this episode. Um, okay. Was a spicy episode, Curtis? What's going on? I hope so. It was spicy enough. Um, Turn up the heat on the BBC well, podcast. Again, I'm just interested to hear what people say back, dude. Yeah. That's it. So let us know in the comments. We read all the comments. We Sometimes we slack on responding to BBC yeah, comments. Yeah, we, we're pretty busy at the moment, but we definitely read them. It's yeah. just hard to respond to everyone. Yeah. I respond to try and respond to all ones on my YouTube videos, and it takes me forever, dude. Yeah. But I make an effort. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time for the Broken by Concept League of Legends Extravaganza podcast. Podcast number 36 next time. Or 35. I think it's 35. Okay. Okay.